So you qualify. What up, everybody? It's Figgy Fig holding it down like I usually do with my man Ryan Rocket on the Gems and Juice podcast. We mentioned last week how we're taking this week off. We need a little break. It's Thanksgiving. We're going to chill with the fam, you know. But this is a special edition podcast. So we had the chance, the honor to fill in for In The Loop on Sports Radio 610. Brandon Scott from SportsRadio610.com, he held it down. Me and Ryan Rocket got a chance to co-host. It was a fun show, man. I was really honored to co-host a show for four hours, man. I didn't even think I could do it. But we had a blast. We decided to upload it to share it with our Gems and Juice podcast supporters. We talked a lot of sports. We had some fun. I hope you guys enjoy it. And again, happy holidays to everyone out there. Hope you guys are staying safe. Without further ado, here we go. Peggy, let's hit him big time. Because it's Friday, you ain't got no job, and you ain't got shit to do. Houston, let's get in the loop. Y'all have great pulse of the city, and I really love listening to your show. With John Lopez and Landry Locker, you're in the loop on Houston's Sports Leader. Sports Radio 610. Say, man. I don't know if they really meant to do this. <laughs> I don't know if they meant to do this for real, man. But this ain't your usual in the loop. That's not what this is going to be. This is a Black Friday edition. Black Friday edition. Of in the loop. And when we say Black Friday, we're not just talking about shopping. <laughs> we're not just talking about discounts. We talking about Black Friday for real. <laughs> Black people. It's going to be very little code switching today. <laughs> and it's going to be a different kind of show. It's going to sound different. It's going to be different. But I'm excited about it. This might be the first and last time, only time we get to do this, fellas. Uh, this I know, man. We need to cherish this moment. I'm telling you, man. You got Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com here. Figgy Fig, the best in the world at what he do. Ryan Rocket here. How y'all doing, fellas? Man, I feel great, dog. Uh, Figgy asked me to slide through for the Black Friday edition of the show. Man, I had <laughs> and to. How could you through. miss it? Yeah. That, fair enough, man. Doc, sidebar real quick. <laughs> Have y'all bought anything this Black Friday yet? No. Um, the Black Friday week. Come on, man. What what I look like? I <laughs> I gave up on Black Friday years ago, man. It's it, it's hard shopping on Black Friday now, man. Another sidebar real quick. <laughs> Remember a few years ago they wouldn't call it Black Friday? Was it a political thing? Yes, I think so. Because I worked in retail for seven years, and they never called it Black Friday at my job. They called it Green Friday. Green Friday? Yeah. And then you, I, can't, you can't offend no green people. Ex- apparently, the Martians <laughs> wasn't in the uh, the woke dictionary or whatever you want to call it. But uh, <laughs> And then they called it Indigo Friday after that. Indigo Friday? Yes. What's that about? I don't know. They're They're trying to avoid black because, you know, we can't assume we can't call anything black no more. We, we can't call it the master bedroom no more. We can't say Black Friday no more. But now everybody's gone back to Black Friday. I, I want to say, <laughs> I, I want to feel like maybe it's just they want to make that transition to Cyber Monday. And maybe it was just that, so. that, that awkward transition yeah. of like, how do we go from here to there? But you might be right, man. But look, I'm going to tell y'all this much. This is the Black Friday edition of In The Loop, and that's what we're going to do, man. So <laughs> hell with the political correctness. 
Uh, we not here for it. Um, it's just it's just us, man. Let me let me ask y'all something real quick because we just came off of Thanksgiving. We had three games, and the Thanksgiving Day games are kind of controversial because you got teams that aren't necessarily good that you got to get in there that got to be there every year, like the Lions. We talked about this, man. How much football did y'all really actually watch on Thanksgiving? I watch I watched the second game. I, I that's pretty that much the, the only game I was really focused on. The last game it wasn't really a game. It was kind of a blowout. But the first game I, I see I see a lot of people saying the Lions need to they we need to get them off. Yes. But I'm I'm actually okay with them on because I never really sit and watch the first game. It's usually on in the background. I'm usually getting dressed or cooking or something like that. So I never really pay attention to the Lions at all. But I just kind of have it on in the background, and I kind of check in on it once in a while. But I never really focus on a Lions game like that. So I'm cool with them being on. If it was like Kansas City or Green Bay or something, I probably would get anything done. I'd probably just be sitting my ass on the couch watching the whole game. But with the Lions, it's kind of – it's like the opener. So it's like a filler for you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I don't care if they be on. What about you, right? Because I know me and you are like, man, what, what do we got to do to get these Lions up off of our screen? I mean, la- last year was different, right? Because they played the Texans. Yeah. Like yeah. We had, I had actual interest in that game and was covered, working it, covering it. Texans won. Probably one of the last few exciting moments that you can remember with the Texans. J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt. Uh, Will Fuller had a big game. Y'all remember, y'all remember Will Fuller used to play here? Yeah. That seemed so long ago. Mm-hmm. Deshaun Watson. Y'all remember Deshaun Watson used to play here? Armani. Seen so long ago. <laughs> and so I had an investment in that game. But then this year you look up and it's the Lions and the Bears. Legacy squads, by the way. Legacy franchises. But at the same time, you're like, the Lions and the Bears. The Lions ain't won a game all year. Of course, this is tradition. They got to be on there. But they ain't won a game all year. The Bears had to validate or invalidate uh, some kind of bogus report about their coach getting fired. Which, by the way, they coach should be fired. Matt Nagy should be fired at this point. I don't know. I don't know why they brought him back to begin with, but there there was a report earlier in the week from something called Patch.com. Seriously, Patch.com made <laughs> okay. national headlines and reported that Matt Nagy would be fired after the game. Can't remember if it was win or lose or not, but that he had been informed that he would be fired after the game against the Lions on Thanksgiving. Supposedly not true. The owner George McCaskey came out and kind of did in that report and everything, but the 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 Bears did win the game, and the thing that stood out to me, man, about this, Lions, Bears, two teams that have no business on the national stage, was the first-year head coach, Dan Campbell. And I don't know if y'all remember when Dan Campbell got hired, but the thing with him was talking about biting people's kneecaps off, mm-hmm. and th- this was going to be supposedly like the presentation of it was like, oh, this guy gets it. You know, like this guy is this is a tough guy. This is, you know, like he was he was sort of billed as, you know, a, a good hire. And I think the people in Detroit are losing their minds. They they are starting to lose their patience already, which I think is ridiculous because, you know, first year head coach. But I kid you not, man, the reason why they lost this game against the Bears was poor clock management, poor management, game management at the end. And these fools called Double timeouts. I don't know if I've seen. I can't remember. I can't not tell you the last time I've seen double timeouts. And you can break down all of the mismanagement of David Cully throughout the year. 
And I'm the last person that's going to argue that David Cully has been a good head coach, is a promising head coach, Uh-oh. is the dude of the future for the Texans. I don't believe none of that. But I think we get caught up in our own stuff so much that we forget what's going on around us. And maybe, you know, for some, maybe it doesn't matter what's going on around you, right? But with this situation, with Dan Campbell calling back-to-back timeouts and losing, uh, essentially losing a down and, and killing clock and, and then giving up the play after that anyway, like I, I just don't, I, I don't see how you can look up and think that you've got the worst of it with David Cully when there are clearly other issues. Like you look around, I was thinking about this, all of the first-year head coaches, Dan Campbell, uh, Brandon Staley out there in Los Angeles, which from the Chargers to the Rams, uh, Arthur Smith in Atlanta, uh, Nick Sirianni in Philadelphia, which, funny enough, he might be doing the best job. And you got yeah. Dave, uh, Robert Sala. We're going to see one. Got Texans Jets coming up on Sunday. We're going to see one. And, like, there is not a single one that's just doing an outstanding job. Like, all of them are struggling. All You, you go to a new head coach for a reason because your team probably stinks, right? Mm-hmm. All of them got sorry teams, except probably except Brandon Staley, who's got Justin Herbert and, and the Chargers. Probably should be better. Probably should be better. Not a lot of people are talking about that because he gives good sound bites and is young and, and you know, is like the – the Sean McVay. The, 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 exactly. Yeah. The, the second coming of the Sean McVay. But I'm looking and I'm like, man, maybe we've been a little bit too hard on David Cully when you compare him to his peers. That's a that's a nasty comparison though, man. Because <laughs> yeah, it's like who, I mean the, the Texans got two wins now, so I, I don't know, man. Uh, one one thing about the, uh, uh, the the game with the Lions, I did hear Aaron Glenn got some of the blame for that yeah. second timeout. Was that actually yeah that called the yeah. second yeah, timeout? Yeah, so if or? you look at that clip, if y'all if y'all YouTube that clip or if y'all think back and look at the sideline, it's Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn both calling the time out there, and we were talking about former Texans. I would call him a Texans great. Former yeah. Texans great cornerback yeah. uh, Aaron Glenn. Both, Seth Payne's teammate. Seth, Seth Payne's former teammate, original Texans. Calling timeouts at the, on, on the sideline, both of them, knowing damn well they just came out of a timeout. Yeah, that, that happened. And on top of that, if you go to uh, Dan Campbell's explanation, actually, figure, let's go ahead and hear Dan Campbell's explanation for exactly what happened at the end of this game. Yeah, obviously you can't do that, but we, we had miscommunication. Half of our half our secondary had one call, half had the other. And uh, so, um, yeah, banged a timeout. Uh, it, it was a check by what they were doing. And so you don't get it until it's in the middle of the play, but it's something we had talked about. And so you, you don't get it pre-snap. It's a call, and it's got basically a check on it to what they're going to do and what they line up in offensively. Is what happened, and so we were, we had half in one call, half in another, and <clears throat> so the first thing in my head is, well, we got a blown coverage, and they're about to score a touchdown, so I do it, and which you can't do, and, and now it's penalty, but but I know that he threw it out in the flat. That was about to be a touchdown, so he implied um, he purposefully did it. Can't do it. So so what you got there is the defensive. What did he say? They, they half of them, half of the secondary. Okay, first of all, you ain't got more than four or five guys in your secondary, depending on what kind of coverage you're playing, right? So, like, that's, you're just talking about a few guys. You're not even talking about the whole defense. He's talking about the, he said half the secondary had to call, half of them didn't. Aaron Glenn, defensive coordinator, and himself a former defensive back, 
So, like, why, why does not everybody have the same call coming out of a timeout? It's, Dis- it's bad. Disappointing, man. I have a personal anecdote about Aaron Glenn, too. I have a personal story. The first jersey I ever owned was an Aaron Glenn jersey. From, <laughs> really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Hey, where is that at now? Oh, man, you don't want to know. You don't want to know. And the reason why I don't wear I, I stopped wearing it after one time probably. But uh, my uncle, you know, he he got tickets for the first year of the Texans, and he's been season ticket holder ever since. He got me an Aaron Glenn jersey. I wore it to high school, and a kid came up to me and said, damn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I ain't never seen nobody with an Aaron Glenn jersey. Hey, and you got to remember, this is the 2000 2000- <laughs> Or, or the early 2000s yeah, freshman versions. year of high school, man. Early, so this is the early version, the <laughs> earliest version. Hey, yeah. at the time, that's basically like, and I love Seth, but that's basically like rocking a Seth Payne jersey at the yes. time. It's like, what is going on? Exactly? And this was the throwback era of jerseys too. You know, everybody oh, yeah. in school was wearing the throwbacks, and I had the Aaron Glenn Texans <laughs> jersey. He, somebody's thing. I ain't never seen nobody with an Aaron Glenn jersey. That was the last <laughs> time I ever wore a jersey ever, man. So I remember back then the ones that were popular, obviously, were the David Carr jerseys. Those yeah. those are the ones that most people wore, but they weren't really like cool. Like when did it become cool? Maybe I guess Andre John. I was gonna say when did it even become cool to wear a Texans jersey at all? Because it was a while. I feel like it was a while before they were even respectable. I mean. It would have to be uh, uh, Andre, yeah, Johnson? Andre Johnson. It would have to be yeah. Andre Johnson. But it, like I said, in my era, nobody was wearing, like, current jerseys anyway. They oh, was wearing, yeah. like, Wilt Chamberlain and, <laughs> and all these throwback jerseys, man. Uh, Barry Sanders jerseys. So hey, it wasn't know, even cool to wear anybody current at that time, besides the, Kobe, maybe. The one that I wanted at the time, I can remember. I never got it because uh, they were selling it off of Blodgett right there. Uh, y'all know where This Is It is on Blodgett. There's a uh, across the street. They were selling throwbacks at the time. I'm sure they're not selling them now, but at the time, and there was a Lynn Bias jersey in there. I wanted oh, no. so bad. Oh man, you should have copped it. I wanted it so bad. Never got it. Damn, Damn man, a, a, a regret of mine. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, I want to know from y'all, from the audience, seven one three five seven two four sixteen. Y'all text in. Would you rather be the Lions right now? Mm. Would you rather be the Lions right now? Because you could be the laughing stock of the league. No wins. A tie. That's what they got on their record. <laughs> These boys got a tie, man. Would you rather be – another thing, would you rather be winless or have a tie? Or, you know what I'm saying, like just 0-10 or 0-10-1? Like, I, I'd love to know how y'all, how y'all view that. 713-572-4610. It is a Black Friday edition of In The Loop. Brandon Scott, Figgy Fig, Ryan Rocket here. Uh, of course, Figgy Fig, the best in the world at what he do. Look, the Texans are two-and-a-half-point favorites – going into this game against the Jets on Sunday. And they got a chance to win back-to-back games for the first time all year. Obviously, they only got two wins on the year. So they got a chance to do that. Should they? Should they be winning? Or is tanking the way to go? We're going to talk about tanking in a minute. That's next. From the Twin Peaks studio, it's a football Friday. On Sports Radio 610, here's In the Loop with Landry and Lopez. No Landry, no Lopez. Figgy Fig is here. Because it is the Black Friday edition of In the Loop. <laughs> Brandon Scott, Ryan Rocket in the building. Look, man, it's the battle of the two and eights this weekend. Battle of the two and eights. That's the Texans and the Jets. That sound appealing. It sound hey, doesn't <laughs> doesn't it sound like just such an amazing football game? Like like the thing to do with your Sunday? <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Of course, I'm gonna be there, and we're gonna be in the building. That's what we do. You can listen to the game too, by the way, on Sports Radio 610. Uh, Sean Pendergast and Seth Payne, I'm pretty sure going to have your pregame show right around 9 o'clock. 
Listen to the game with Mark Vandermeer, Andre Ware, and the post-game show with Sean Pendergast and Clint Sterner. But anyway, this is actually a game that the Texans can win. And as we know, they're coming off of a win. They're only their second win of the season against the Titans, a game that I don't think anybody, and I mean anybody, <laughs> thought that they could win going into it. I mean, color me shocked. I don't even think I thought they could win as as it was happening. Like, as as the win yeah. was happening, I'm like, wow, man, this is not going to – I've seen this movie before. <laughs> They're not going to really pull this off. And they did that. They they actually did. And I, so I'm excited to some degree that the Texans might actually win consecutive games and the stench of losing does not have to permeate another week. Like, there was a different vibe this week. I'm going to be honest with y'all, man. I've been under weather a little bit. But it's a different vibe when you're coming off of a win. Losing stinks. It sucks, man. Like, you're either frustrated or you're apathetic. Like, it's just not fun. That's why I am anti-tanking, and I hate it when you find your franchises in the position that you find them in, like the Texans and the Rockets right now, where they're, whether they're intentionally bad or just bad, they're bad. And so the, the conversation about tanking and whether this is what's best for the franchise is a relevant one because of where we're at. It's just part of where we're at. I don't like it. I'm not down with it. I'm here for the moment just as much as I am here for the future, maybe even more so because I don't know how long I'm going to be here. Hell, So I want to see some win. I at least want to watch watchable, digestible football, you know, not like what we was watching a lot of times yesterday with all those penalties, last night with all those penalties in those three games that we watched. So where are y'all at on this tanking? Because I see – uh, text lines, social media, uh, even articles from professional media, people that are in our business that believe that it is in the best interest of the Texans to not win on purpose. And to me, a loser's mentality is never anything to embrace. I don't care where you are in your process. So I want to hear it, man. I want to know where, where y'all are. It sounds like we got some people that, that already uh, want to weigh in from the loopholes, what we got, Figgy? Yeah, uh, 713-572-4610 if you want to get in. Antonio, you are on the Black Friday show. What's up, man? Top of the morning, fellas. Top of the Good, morning. Nice to be with y'all, making money instead of spending money on Friday. Already. Mm-hmm. Hey, but, yeah, uh, I got to understand with Brandon because you uh, – why you anti-tanking? Because you kind of like write about the team and whatnot, so you want to be right about have something to write about a win than a loss. But I'm a little more patient, so I would rather have them lose, get a top pick, and trade that pick off to somebody like no no lower than five, and have them and uh then have get more picks from them. That way, because we need all the picks that we can get, we're gonna suck. This year and maybe the next five years. So we need all the picks we can get. Those picks are not guaranteed. We're, we don't even know who's those picks going to be, like in terms of uh, are the picks going to be come out to be good players or bad players. So we need to, all the chances that we can get. So, yeah. But, Take but, it up. But, Antonio, that's that's kind of my argument, though. Like, you don't even know who's, who's – you can't even tell me who the player going to be. What we tell what, yeah, what we what we taking right. for? Who who to what end? Who is the player? Who is the guy? What's the what's what right. is going to be the tangible difference once we once we get to that point? That's what that's what you can't tell me, and that's what I don't know. I I can yeah. tell you what a, I can tell you what a win feel like, you know. 
but you know, sometimes when you uh in the top of the draft, there's always gonna be like one person out there who's like a pure pick. So, you know, give me that guy who's like at least a sure and then you probably have if you pick, if you top uh you the number one pick and you probably have uh you trade down you you're getting the the number um uh, you trade down to five, you can get two more picks out of that, you know, you probably now you can give yourself a better chance to get another pick. You, it might not pan out. But I would say give yourself a chance. We're not going to be nut. We're not going to be that good, like playoff contention next year. So yeah. this year, get all the picks you can get. Next year, then I can, yeah, I kind of want to win a little bit more. I don't want to tank next year. But this year, tank it up. Give yourself all the picks you can get. And, you know, let's go. All right, Antonio, I appreciate that. I appreciate the phone call, man. Look, the, the way I'm, I'm looking at it, though, is like you already suck, though. You're already bad. Like you're going to get a high pick. Like, to me, it's, there's a difference between being bad and, and like, intentionally losing or, or, yeah. or, or already accepting that you suck versus rooting for your suckiness. Yeah, Wade, that not a different vibe? Yeah, Wade Smith said this a lot. He wanted people um, – he wanted them to put the best players on the field. So uh, it was early on in the season and people were saying, oh, start Davis Mills. Like, yeah. uh, just, you know, whatever. It's oh, like yeah. nah, like we gonna get the Davis Mills too. We'll yeah, get to at some point. It's it's like nah, just try to win these games. It, even if you did put the best players out on the field, you still might not win. So I just think you gotta at least try because I think that's a tone setter if you purposely not playing the good players just so you can lose. Like, I, how would you feel in that locker room, man? If you you know you know you good enough to play. And the coach is not playing you because they're trying to lose and get the first pick. I don't, I don't think players really care about that type of stuff, trying to get the first pick. They want to play. So if, if I was a player in the NFL, I, I wouldn't want to go to the Texans if I know they're trying to lose to get the first pick. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I agree with you. I don't think they should. T- I think they should try to win at least or at least play the best player. Rocket, ain't, ain't that like pig pen mentality? <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of pig pen, but I. To be fair, I do think Antonio brings up a good point. I think we have a different perspective on it, being people like, you know, I work on the broadcast. I'd rather see the Texans win. Figgy in here every day of the week. He'd rather see them win. You've covered the team. You want to see them win. I think from the perspective of the fan who's already tuned out, yeah, what do they care if the Texans win another game or not at this point? If they're already you know, hey, this season is what it is now. Let's move on to the draft and see what we can do from there. So I get, like, I, I'm not pro-tanking, but I get how a fan can be pro-tanking when they see what this team is right now. Another thing I'll say about, because he, he mentioned the part, and both of y'all, all y'all have actually mentioned how I cover the team, I'm around the team. And so one of the investments that I have is some of the relationships that you build with the people that are involved. So – I do like I'm not like buddy buddy with the players, but I I do interact with them every you know every week. You're compromised, Brandon. Well, it just in the sense that for me, like I think that fans, and this is this is somewhat of a criticism I say. I think that fans don't really care about the players. I think I think that's, that's fair. fair enough to say. And so we don't really care about how what the toll is that losing takes on people, and like what like what is the impact? What is the implication of that? We don't normally. As fans, you care about the team. You care about the results. You know, uh, it's even even when it comes to wins and losses, when we're talking about tanking, you're you're looking toward the future. You care about the long term viability of the franchise. You don't care mm-hmm. about the players, right? Yeah. But for me, 
when I go in there and I see Tyrod Taylor every week, and again, we're not buddy buddy. I don't, you know, we not we we didn't have Thanksgiving together, nothing like that. <laughs> but to me, in my mind, I'm like, I feel like you owe it to Tyrod Taylor if he's a better player to play him. Like, how do you sell as an employer, as a boss, or whatever it is? How do you sell to somebody in a meritocracy that you're the better player? You're put it in your own work, whatever it is that you do for a living, and you're the better at whatever it is. But the boss say, you know what? We got a future to plan for. We need to get a we need to get a good look at the next guy. We need to see what the person that's inferior to you looks like, so we can know what our future looks like. Because you're only here for a short short term. Like to me, that that to me is just dishonest. I, I think that yeah. is dishonest on the one hand to the people that are there, and then from a strategic standpoint, I think it's just lazy. Like I don't think yeah. it's too much. I was saying this way Adam Spillane yesterday when we when we hosted in the morning. On Thanksgiving Day, I don't think that it is unreasonable to expect your front office to draft competently and sign players that can help your team. Like, I think when you're evaluating talent coming out of the draft or going into the draft, that if you can't find a player, like, again, the Texans already suck, right? They're already going to be one of the bottom five teams in the league. They're, so they're going to get a top five pick. If you can't find a good player in the top five, if you can't find a good player in the top ten, hell, if you can't hit on your first round pick at all, <laughs> what what are we here for? Why are yeah. you Why are you wasting my time to begin with? Like I don't even want to entertain you as the, whoever the general. I know it's Nick Casario now, but whoever you are that's making the decisions. If we got to tank and and be bad on purpose just for you to adequately draft a guy that can help the team, what yeah. are we doing? Yeah, look at the other top teams in the league, Pittsburgh, Baltimore. They never tank, and they always find a good player somewhere in the in the late round. They, the Baltimore Ravens got Lamar Jackson. Yeah, like and they didn't have to tank for that. Yeah, so like so so tank and and then pick Baker Mayfield number 1 and let Lamar Jackson fall to number 30. How did that work out for you? Exactly. You know what I mean? Mhm. And I'm not saying that the I know the Browns didn't necessarily. The, the Browns are another good example of a team that's been. You, you know this, Figgy? Yeah. As a, as a Cleveland guy, they just been bad. Mm-hmm. You know, or, or, they just been making bad picks. Yeah, and, but but we're in position to make those bad picks just because they were bad, not because they were trying to lose. Yeah, because there wasn't nobody in that draft that was worth tanking for the number one overall pick, a quarterback like that. They didn't even know who they was going to pick up until the to, until the night of. So um, they were really bad. They weren't trying to be bad on purpose. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just don't. I don't. I don't really like. Tank. I feel like you know, try to play hard, play their best players, and um, uh, you know, draft the try to draft the players that fit you. But I think the point that Rocket brought up is an interesting one, or it's probably just the correct one that we have different perspectives on how we look at the team and how we, I guess, how we follow the team and and what what our own personal interests are. I thought you said a real key point in for the fan that's already checked out. Guess what? We're not allowed to check out. <laughs> we can't check out, huh, Figgy? Yeah, no, nah, we can't. We can't do it. Yep. <laughs> I, I ain't going to lie to you. I tried. Or Look, <laughs> I didn't even try. This is just transparency because ain't nobody listening on it. It's just, it's just family, right? <laughs> we just, it's just family here on the Black Friday edition of the In the Loop. Look, man, I'm not going to lie to y'all. That Colts game. 
And then the next week was the 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 Cardinals game. So those were back to back road games. I fell asleep after that. Uh, oh, after that, uh, oh Look, after that <laughs> Mo Ali Cox touchdown, where you couldn't figure out what the defensive backs was doing, couldn't figure out why uh, why that man had all that space to catch the ball. Where was Lonnie Johnson in the shot? Y'all remember the play that I'm talking about, Texans fans? Look, that play happened to start the. The, the third quarter, that drive to start the third quarter. And I was kind of sleepy already. I had a little couple of drinks, you know, but mm-hmm. I know I got to watch the game. You know, I'm, wor- I'm mm-hmm. technically working just at home. Man, I allowed myself to go ahead and go to sleep. I w- <laughs> no shame. I was like, you know what? If I nod off, so be it. Mm-hmm. And, and when I tell you your boy nodded off and missed the rest of the game and had to go back and look at the tape to, just to know what happened, like I'm listening to the post game, like what post game? You know, like what <laughs> what game happened? Like this yeah. this this happened. I fell asleep. The Texans made me fall asleep at work, and I'm a I'm not yeah. like I'm not no schmuck. Like yeah. you know, I come to work and I do my thing. You know, I'm dedicated. Man. He was over there looking like hand him in there, man. man I, <laughs> in the press I, box. I'm telling you, I was sweet. Hey, <laughs> the only difference was that I was in the comfort of my own home. <laughs> Hannah McNair was out there in front of the whole world, uh, ready to fall asleep on the game. But that so that happened on the Colts game. Kid you not. The next game, they're gonna play the Cardinals, right? Tell me what. So, let's see. I think I went out, did a, did a, a quick little brunch, little small day drinking. Lay my head down real quick because this was a three o'clock game. Remember that too. The three is a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, I'm lay my head down. I'm not that that interested <laughs> in the twelve o'clock slate and the noon slate, whatever. Man, when I tell you that by the time I woke up. Kaimi Fairbairn was hitting a field goal to make the score five to nothing. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, how you get to be up five to nothing? <laughs> how these fools luck themselves into a safety? Yeah. And then I just remember being mad. I'm like, man, these I know they're not going to finish with five points. Like, I'd rather you get blown out. <laughs> Zero, three, yeah. six, seven, not five. Yeah. They finished with five. But, I mean, that, that's where I was. So, I, I, I mean, I've. I told all of that just to say that I've been at the point of frustration. I've been at the point of, you know, what 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 are we doing? Why why is this happening? Why are we why are we here right now? You know, like what what is what is the point? I've been there already, and I'm still not at the point of less time because I want to stay awake for the game. You know, I want to have a reason to watch the game, uh, and and maybe part of that is because I can't check out like others can, but. That's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, yeah, man, I just can't believe you admitted you fell asleep twice on Texans games. Twice, man. So if y'all are, if ladies and gentlemen, if y'all are looking for a uh, position covering sports for Sports Radio Six Ten, hey. <laughs> make sure you apply at sportsradio610.com. Yeah, because this might be it. This might this might be the last Black Friday edition of In the Loop, and it might be the last time that you hear from your boy Brandon Scott. All right, look. This 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 franchise, this Texans franchise, might find its next cornerstone player in college. Like, the, the next best player for this team might be playing on Saturdays. And I think that he could actually be playing this weekend in rivalry week. We'll talk about that next. We're making the stories from outside the loop matter to you. This is Localize It. Don't you know I'm local? You're in the loop on Houston's Sports Leader. Sports Radio 610. College football rivalry week. Coming up this weekend, full slate of games starting today on Black Friday. Of course, we're getting you ready for 
the weekend with this Black Friday edition of In the Loop. Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com. Hickey Fig in the building, the best in the world at what he do. Ryan Rocket joining us as well. Rivalry week. I'm actually pretty excited for it. The, the further along the college football season gets, the more I get into it. I think the, the, the more the games obviously matter, um, unless you have one of those big non-conference games in the beginning, of course, and those eventually come up to matter as well. But, hey, hey, figure this is a little local for you too, man. Ohio State and Michigan. Yeah, man. Man, I don't know if any of y'all watched Ohio State last week. But it, was, it might have been a, the, the longest <laughs> and the most that I watched them. But it was kind of hard to watch at the same time because they was it was over. The, man, they was beating the brakes off of Michigan State. Yeah, I thought that game was going to be way closer because um, Michigan State always play Ohio State pretty hard. So um, when not to mention they're ranked, I think they were ranked like number seven. Yeah, so something like that. Yeah, so I'm like, damn, this game is over. It's like it's like forty to nothing in the first half. Yeah. So I was kind of shocked there, and um, I'm always nervous every time Ohio State play Michigan because I, you could throw the records out the window. It's, it's always going to be a, a crazy game. But uh, I'm yeah. way more com- confident with Ohio State now playing Michigan. I, I think they could beat them. Well, I was going to say, like, you should be as – as an Ohio State fan – you should be confident playing Michigan as long as John Harbaugh is there. No, nah, for real. He don't seem to be able to do nothing with y'all with, with Ohio State or Michigan State. Yeah, like, no, he's for just real. Bad against his rival, like rivalry week, and the concept of rivalries for John Harbaugh just does not seem to be a kind one. Yeah, but they they are pretty good this year though. But yeah, for still, sure. I think at the end of the day, man, I think Ohio State gonna beat them. Yeah, and I mentioned in the tease coming into uh, going into the last break that the next cornerstone player for the Texans could be playing this weekend. And so there are a couple from this game that I will be watching. Um, is that And that's C.J. Stroud, which I know you can't draft him this year. I know that. <laughs> I know he's not available yet. But what's the word? There is no quarterback that you want to draft yet. Like, there mm-hmm. is no discernible better quarterback than Davis Mills, for example, right? Like, necessarily. I'm sure there, I'm sure there will be one. But – not necessarily. So I'm looking at C.J. Stroud for next year. Not because not, not about tanking. I just know they're going to be bad, <laughs> and they're going to be in the running for the man. Yeah. Uh, Ohio State's quarterback. And also, I was checking out the mocks over the weekend, like the, some of the mock drafts, getting a little nerdy. And a lot of them have Michigan's defensive end, Aiden Hutchinson, going to the Texans. Now, that's just a mock. Yeah. But he'll be available, so that could be – your next pass rusher that starts alongside or on the on the opposite side of Jonathan Grenard. So I think that that's something to watch out for. And if if you want to localize and look at it through a Texans lens, or you could just watch and enjoy the game and have, you know and have a good have a good time, have a good weekend. Um, so I'm I'm looking at that. Obviously, you got Texas A&M and LSU playing each other. I just think that it's a shame that that's become more of a rivalry than. UT. Then UT, and for obvious reasons, right? And they'll be in the same conference pretty soon, but they haven't been for the past decade. But it's got to be a little weird for Texas fans and for people who were a fan of that rivalry to look up and see A&M and LSU, two teams that are close regionally, just have so much more relevance as a, uh, you know, as a matchup. You know, like I'm, I'm pretty sure – even with LSU not being good, more people look forward to a Texas A&M LSU game than say 
the Red River rivalry, you know, Texas and Oklahoma. And 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 certainly once Texas gets back or goes to the SEC and Oklahoma <laughs> does too, that should uh that should wake up a little bit. But I don't know, I was just looking at that like, man, Texas A and M and LSU seem to just that just seems to matter so much more. Yeah. Um, but as far as cornerstone players though, Derek Stingley Jr., right? The the cornerback is somebody that has also been mocked to the Texans. And so that's somebody that you'll want to watch. I like Isaiah Spiller for for the yeah, Aggies. Yeah. I'm not even sure if like I'm not even sure what's going on with with the Aggies at this point. But if that's somebody that's available to the Texans, say like say they have an extra first round pick, or say they have like I don't know what to do with the Texans having all their picks. I said, maybe that's another thing about tanking too. I forgot <laughs> to mention that earlier. Actually. <laughs> We talking about a franchise that ain't had no first round picks the last couple of years. Yeah. And now it got the nerve to be greedy and say it's got to be the number one, it's got to be the number two. Bruh. Yeah. The 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 last time, like the last time we was picking in the first round was 2019. Yeah. So I, I mean it's just to me, beggars can't be choosers. You got Casario now though. It's different now. Is it though? It's supposed to be. <laughs> Here's my thing with Casario. I'm not down on Casario necessarily, but here's my thing with him and draft picks that I don't understand or that I'm trying to understand. Is he going to make these draft picks? Is he going to ever actually draft anybody? Because he likes to use the picks to trade. Like every pick seemed like it's it's just a trade piece. Like it's basically just capital. You know, it's yeah. monopoly money to him. Yeah. It's but, it's funny because this is his first year with the Houston Texans. He's been with New England all these years. Right. And this is like the I, I I see people like Teddy J, Ted Johnson talking about the New England Patriots. This is the best draft they had in years. So it's like, damn, they finally have a good draft at the serial leave. I yeah. wonder who who's the what's the reasoning behind that? Right. Is and it Casario or yeah. did Bill Belichick just, you know, hit it right on this one? Well, and that's that was the knock on Casario as well, right? Was that they didn't necessarily draft well. Like they had a lot a good things going for them in New England, but mainly we know the good things going for New England was Bill Belichick and Tom, Tom Brady. Brady. Yep. Like that, like that is the Patriot way, having that tandem. You know, so I, I mean that that's been the knock on him. How well does he does he draft uh to begin with? So uh so that's gonna be those are the those are the rivalry games that I'm most focused on. Like I know Oklahoma, Oklahoma State plays, Alabama and Auburn play. So we'll be checking them out. Uh but Right now, let's go out to the phones. We got Tony on the line, Figgy. Tony, yeah. Tony, Tony, talk to us. What's yeah, let's on? go to Tony. What's up, Tony? What's up, what's up, what's up? First, first thing I want to say, love hearing you guys. Figgy is my dog. <laughs> Doggity dog. I love Figgy. And I just want to say, as far as Black Friday goes, that is, we have a lot of conversations as far as black goes, like, you wear black at funerals and stuff like that. But Black Friday is actually a positive black connotation because it means that you're making money. Because financially, if you're in the black, you're positive. So <laughs> I have something to say about that because I just looked this up, actually. I actually just saw a tweet coming about the origin of Black Friday. Because okay. that's what I thought, too, Tony. I thought the same thing. Like, it's when the... You know, the store is going to black, which is supposed to be a good thing. Okay. But apparently, according to this post, I'm not going to say where I got it from because people are going to say it and say, oh, the liberal media. 
But the origin of Black Friday, it's on Huffington Post. I'll just say it. I'll screw it. <laughs> when a day is preceded by black, it's usually connotation that it was a pretty bad day, but Black Friday had a similar connotation. The very, the very earliest use of the phrase Black Friday dates to 1869 and had nothing to do with Christmas shopping. Oh, wow. It was the day plummeting gold prices caused a market crash, the effects of which were felt by the U.S. economy for years. <laughs> the first mentions of Black Friday as we know it are said to have occurred around the 1950s or 60s by traffic police who dreaded that day. <laughs> so they were so not looking forward oh, to Black Friday that they God. called it Black Friday. <laughs> yeah. So even okay. we can't even have okay. Black Friday now. It can't even be a good Black Friday. You, you know what? Well, I choose to take the latter. Um, yeah, it's I, the time when yeah. you make the I, I, I like I like your I like your version better, Tony. Let, let's go with that. Yeah. Okay. And another thing I want to say, I'm a season ticket holder. Okay. All right. So I go to these games, knowing sometimes they're not gonna always end like I want to end when I spend my money buying them these tickets. But I'm on roll with the Texans because I am a Texans fan. But as far as of tanking, like y'all say, and what good does it do to tank when you got that clown show in the front office? And who knows if you got the number one pick, if you're going to pick the best person. So it all goes with that. You know what I'm saying? We can have all the best picks in the world, but if you've got fools picking that's like you taking your child to the store and telling him to grocery shop. He's going to buy all cereal, marshmallows, chips. You ain't got nothing to eat. Fruit snacks. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So this is the same thing. We have a clown. So, it's, so I'm, not, I'm just going to roll with it just because I have season tickets. Let me tell you something. I'm going to go Sunday. I'm going to be there early, Figgy. I'm going to be there early. I'm going to fix you when I get there. Because I'm going to be at the Nuffset, uh Chair Gators. I'm going to be there early. And I'm just going to roll with it. I'm just going to have fun. That's because I'm a Texans fan. Yeah, hey. that's what you got to do, man. That's what, that's just have fun, hey. man. Celebrate these wins. Yeah. Whatever win they get, just, just roll with it, man. Yeah, man, live in the moment, man. I don't understand why I don't understand why people can't do that. And, and and Tony's not the only one that feels this way. We got on the text line from three five eight nine. Do we trust the people in the front office to make the right pick? Like right as she's making that call, you got that same. Now, obviously, you you got kind of got to. They got to make the pick. I ain't saying don't make the picks. That would be ridiculous. So, uh, so you're still dealing with that. But I definitely feel where uh Tony in the text line is coming from there. Look, coming up. We've got two rebuilds going on simultaneously here in the city of Houston amongst our pro sports team. Happening with the Texans on Kirby. The other one is happening downtown. But which head coach has it worse right now? Is it David Cully? Is it Steven Silas? Do you feel bad for either one of them? Which one do you feel bad for more? We'll talk about that on the other side. It's a football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's In the Loop with Landry and Lopez. No Landry, no Lopez, but you got your boy Figgy here, the best in the world. What he do, sir? Brandon Scott here from SportsRadio610.com, joined by Ryan Rocket. It's a Black Friday edition of In the Loop, <laughs> unlike anything you ever heard before. That's right. First time might be the last time. <laughs> Savor it, enjoy <laughs> it. When it's over with, let me tell y'all. When it's over with, get on that Odyssey app and hit the rewind function. You got the next twenty-four hours to be able to do that. Obviously, this will be podcasts on the In The Loop page, but you're going to want to savor this moment, man. Yeah. Because it's not going to be too many like it, more than likely. <laughs> but, fellas, right now, 
we got two rebuilds happening on the Houston pro sports scene. Like I mentioned before, one on Kirby, one downtown. It's happening with the uh, I'm sorry with the with the Texans. Happening with the Rockets, and they both have. Like I guess Stephen Silas is in his second year, but he still feels like a first year head coach. It's almost like last year almost didn't happen, except it did. Yeah. Um. And so you got that. You got David Cully as his in his first year as a head coach. Waited a long time for the opportunity. Finally got his opportunity, and it's rough right now. Like just to to put it blunt, it's it it looks bad. It is ugly, and I'm not really sure which one has it worse, which one I feel worse for, or if I even feel bad for either of them because they're being paid handsomely and it is a hell of an opportunity. But it's a predicament right now. And so right now we've got Kim Davis, the Chalk Talk, on the line with us. And I want to bring her in to have this conversation because Kim, if y'all don't know, has been doing this for years, has been doing this a long time and is one of the more plugged in folks that you'll find in this city, not just in sports, but just period. Like one of the more informed media people, period, that you'll find in the city. So I am glad to be joined by Kim Davis. Kim, how you doing today? Good morning, good morning. Thank you for having me. I am super excited. And guess what? This is the first time I've ever been on a radio program on Sports Radio 610. Oh, wow. Okay. You got Hey, so yeah. Hey, so so when I tell y'all, when I tell the audience that this is a Black Friday edition of In the Loop, <laughs> and, and and I bring on Kim Davis, a legend here, by the way, and she says this is the first time she's been on the air. Like we're not playing with y'all. We're doing some historic stuff here. This is actually shocking, man. I'm actually shocked. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah dang. Somebody that is as informed and knowledgeable as Kim has never been on the air on, on this station. Radio system, man. Yeah. So so y'all y'all enjoy this. Look, hey, Kim. I'm yeah, here now, you're here now. So, so Kim, we're talking about these rebuilds, and yeah. let's let let let's start with with David Cully. Um, I know that okay. you are at. You know, I'm sure you're going to be at NRG Stadium today. You might even be there now, for all I know. And of course, yeah, just, just finished talking to him. Just finished talking to him. What? Well, so yeah. first of all, what has been your impression of Cully so far? What has stood out to you about him as a coach? And and I guess just the way that this season has gone uh, for the 2021 Texans. Well, you know, I know there's a lot you can criticize about David Culley. Um, if you want to, I like the fact that he is, it's to base it. He's respectful. You know what I mean? Um, he, I think he shares and gives information that he can. Sometimes he may tell a little more than maybe he should. And I I think he's in a very difficult predicament. And I also cover the last guy who is not respectful and decent. So I appreciate that on a personal level about David Culley. But in terms of what we get from him in coaching, um, I mean, he walked into a situation that we all know is just really difficult in terms of really kind of tumultuous, you know. And I think he's navigated that as well as he could. I mean, I guess maybe – It'd be good. Some people say he should just get mad and yell and scream. That's probably that's clearly not who he is. So I think he's being himself. He's bringing who he is to this situation, and um, with, without a lot of tools to work with. And I, I, you know, that's really all I have on that in terms of 
it is what it is. Yeah, so Kim Davis of Chalk Talk joining us on Sports Radio 610 in the Loot Black Friday edition. Kim, let's 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 focus real quick on the young players because we've been having a conversation yeah. about tanking here and I've been loudly and adamantly anti-tanking today and forevermore. Um, but the reality of the situation is that the Texans are bad enough to where they don't have to intentionally lose. Just where they are in this current situation is just what the it is what it is, as you kind of just said about uh, you know about David Cully. And I and I know in the loop, the, the normal in the loop lineup with Landry and Lopez don't like that term. But guys, and I've been texting this <laughs> in when they do this. Sometimes guys, it is. Yeah. What it is, I, I find it to sometimes be a very profound statement. But yeah, but 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 Kim, wh- where are you right now with the young players? Is there is there a young player that stands out to you? Is there something that the Texans are doing developmentally that either you are approve of or disapprove of? Like like where are you at with the young players? Obviously, we saw that Lonnie Johnson Jr. got switched back to positions. The 2019 draft class seems like a complete disaster. Where are you at right now with the, the, the developmental yeah, stage of this team? In? Oh, yeah, that was Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby. Okay, yeah. Um, I First of all, let me just say this. I am always anti-tanking. <clears throat> it doesn't work in the NFL, and I would challenge anybody to tell me when tanking has worked and your team has been good right away. It just it, it doesn't. You, and especially, I mean, really then you're talking about a culture, like not just the, the, the buzzword, but so it doesn't work. I don't think players tank, right, because they're all trying to get a job, <clears throat> and I don't think coaches tank. Um, there, there's some young players that you, know, you think probably have some talent. I want to talk about Lonnie Johnson pretty quickly. I mean, he hasn't looked great, but then he's been moved around a lot, right, like corner, safety, back to corner, and I, I think you gotta, you got to put him a place and let him learn the position and play it to determine whether he can play in this league. You know, I, I don't <clears> – <throat> the Lonnie thing is a little concerning because they've just kind of juggled him around a lot. I know it's it's easy to kind of get riled up about him because of how he is online. I don't really care how players are online. What I'm interested in is how are you on the field. Um, but a young player, you obviously you like a Roy, a, a, what you see from a Roy Lopez, right? Um, yep. you, I like what you see from him, what you see from um, – I mean – I don't know about real young Jonathan Bernard. I mean, I think obviously he's stepped up and played well in a big way. We've seen um, the 2020 second round pick, uh, Blaylock. Blacklock. Blacklock. Um, Blacklock. I mean, I I like what I see from him. I mean, you know, obviously COVID and that situation, he didn't that didn't work. He didn't do well in that environment, which a lot of players didn't. No real training camp as a rookie. Um, and then being with the organization where that regime didn't really believe rookies could contribute right away. So, I mean, there's some players, and there are probably more players on defense that are young that I've seen that, like, okay, maybe there's some hope. But then we go back to an announcement about a week ago that you're turning the quarterback into a tight end. Like, why? <laughs> like, I was listening to Show and Clint, and Show like, had a meltdown. Yep. And I was driving, and I, I felt all of that because I was like, yeah, what what kind of move is that? I mean, and then you guys announce it and tell people, why is this a thing? Like, what's happening in a season where you're trying to get wins, where you're thinking by 10 weeks in, you know what, he 
probably has a future as a tight end. I don't. So that that concerns me about the developmental piece. I, it it just it gives me reason to pause. I'm not sold yet on the the management of this current regime that they can do what it takes to rebuild. I don't know yet. Um, I don't know if all the all the things that Nick did last year, to me, I don't see it yet, but I mean it's early. A lot of work doesn't mean it's it doesn't mean it's productive. So I I don't I don't feel real confident about it. Let's say that. Okay, so Kim, uh I want to switch gears to the Rockets. Um, okay. Obviously, uh, they, well, they got their f- uh, first win. They broke the um, losing streak a couple days ago. And um, yep. I, I feel like a lot of fans didn't expect the Rockets to, to be this bad. And, you know, uh, rumblings <laughs> are starting to, you know, go around about Steven Silas' job. So um, right. what, what do you think the problem is with this Rockets team? At this moment, is it Steven Silas? Do do you think he needs to be fired, or you think this no. team is just too young, or what do you think the issue is? Yeah, so so I don't think it's Steven Silas, and I know we hear that oh they're young, but they're young. They got four teenagers, and I was looking at something, um, and I mentioned it about two weeks ago. The year, and that may have been like 2008. You had Russell Westbrook and OKC. You had Kevin Durant and Serge Ibaka and whoever else was there. And that team started 1-17, and they were 3-30 and in their first 33 games. Like, you, maturity and experience matters. Like, it really, it really does matter. And so I'm not saying that Steven Silas is doing everything perfectly because sometimes I wonder about the rotation, but I don't think he's a problem. You know, um, you know one game, they got it. Like, okay, I, I know where I'm supposed to be. You know, I'm supposed to be here on the floor. And I'm doing these things. And then the next thing, game they don't, I don't know that that's coaching. There's an execution issue. Um, and I think one of the things, guys, when you have young players and you have so many, like there's, there's something to be said for learning how to be a pro, a pro in the NBA. It's a whole different world, like traveling, road trips, all of that. There's a lot that they're having to adjust to. And this isn't making excuses for them because um, it doesn't matter how much you compensate it. If you don't have experience, you don't have experience. You know, you just got to get it. And his veterans, you know, they are come and go. They're just inconsistent. Sometimes you get something from Eric Gordon. Sometimes you don't. You had a great game from Daniel House the other night. Amazing. Then he may not show up for a few weeks. You know, I don't know that that's coaching because that was Daniel House before Stephen Silas. So to answer your question, I don't think the problem is Stephen Silas. I do think it is youth. And um, I think he needs I think he needs a veteran on the court to help them grow. Like I like when I see DJ Augustine at the point. I like that. John Wall, <laughs> John Wall. Yeah. So uh, look, look, and I think that the game against the Bulls the other night was indicative of what this team can be when they're running sets, when they're playing hard, yep. when they're taking good shots. Uh, when the when the rotations look a little bit better and there's some floor spacing and they're able to do some things that mm-hmm. that you want to see your basketball team do. Look, y'all, that is Kim Davis of Chalk Talk. Y'all make sure y'all follow Kim Davis. Kim, where, where can they find y'all real quick? You can follow me, Kim Y. Davis. Uh, as some people call me, it's Kimmy Davis. It's Kim Y. Davis. 
Um, but you can follow me there everywhere, or you can follow me on um, YouTube and Facebook at Chalk Talk. And I got to connect with you guys because I got some I was going to mention that. Look, I'm, <laughs> as soon as I get the opportunity, Kim, I'm coming for my sweet potato pie. You already told me I could have it, so I'm coming okay. for it. I'm ready for it. So as soon as I see you, I'm coming for that. I got you. All hey, right. guys, thanks for having me on today. Enjoy the rest of it, and I'm going to be listening. I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate Thank you. Kim. you. There, there it is. That is Kim Davis of Chalk Talk. Look, y'all, there is one thing that the Texans are doing well this season. Like, you got to get credit where it's due. And there is one thing that they are doing well this season. But how sustainable is it? We'll tell you about that next. It's a football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's In the Loop with Landry and Lopez. No Landry, no Lopez. Black Friday edition of In the Loop. Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com here with you. Figgy Fig, the best in the world at what he do. Also here with you, working on the weekend, putting in that work. <laughs> yep. And we got Ryan Rocket here. Also with us, hanging out on the Black Friday edition of In The Loop. Look, man, the Texans do, and we'll talk about this, the Texans do a thing well, all right? It's not all, it's mostly bad, but they do a thing well that I think they deserve credit for. But earlier in the show, we were talking about tanking, and, you know, we talked a little bit about it with Kim Davis, and we appreciate Kim for joining us also. Y'all make sure y'all check her out. But... Uh, you know, we're talking about tanking, and it seems like the the loopholes got thoughts on this, right? So let's go out to the phone lines and see what uh what are, what are the people saying about tanking? What, what we got, Figgy? What's on the what's on the phone? D five, what's up, man? What you got for us? First and foremost, you know, I got to start it off with Figgy got the beat. That's yes, always a fact. Number two, black is beautiful. So this is an amazing, amazing uh, thing going on right now with you guys being on here. I hope that, you know, we can make this a, a yearly thing, you know, 610, write it down, let this be inaugural, let this be, you know, every year. I hope this happens. Um, the next thing, I, I got a few points I just want to make. I've been waiting for a little bit. A few points I want to make. Hey, hold on. Before, um, you, before, you, one, hold on, hold on, before you make your point, hold on real it. quick. Since you're going to advocate for us, though, let me say this. It ain't got to be yearly, man. You can, you know, if you. <laughs> Once a year, it's okay. Hey, hey, if you, like, if, you, if you really feel it, if you really feel it, man, I'm just saying, like, and I appreciate you. I'm just saying, like, hey, don't hit, you know. You hey, we be- can we can make it daily, we can make it weekly, whatever, whatever. Six ten need to do, uh, get hey, these boys together. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Go ahead with you, I point, like man. It. Appreciate you. So, so, so a lot of a lot of uh, things in common that Cully and Silas had was they they both inherited teams with disgruntled stars that they can't trade. So, for instance, like um, right now, John Wall, like you can't you can't get rid of John Wall. That's forty four million dollars just sitting on the bench that could be going to, you know, veteran stars to help our younger stars. And then, of course, the whole Watson situation. So that, that, that's a similarity. The only difference is we know Cully's not going to be long-term. Like, we knew that when we got Cully. Silas was supposed to be long-term because James Harden advocated to get Silas to the Rockets. And then next thing you know, Harden and Westbrook are gone. So that's kind of what the difference is right now. Silas was supposed to be here to manage stars, not really a bunch of young rookies. That That's kind of why – I don't want to blame too much on Silas, just like Kim was saying. But at the same time, I'm not really seeing anything that Silas is doing that's saying, wow, he's a great coach. So it's kind of, it's kind of iffy with that. The next thing, when it comes to tanking, um, Ryan Rocket can, can vouch for this. I, I believe we worked at a retail store many moons ago at mm-hmm. um, the same one. But when you work in a Black Friday or a holiday season, you don't want to be working with scrubs because you know things are not going to go right. You don't like if you knew that you were tanking, no one's going to want to work in that environment no matter what 
happens. You you want to know that everybody's busting their booty and that everybody's working hard to get the job done instead of having to clean other people's messes, making your job harder, right? No one was going to want to come to that type of environment. And I'm not going to say Casario's doing a lot that enough so far to make me be like, yeah, he's he's the goat, he's great. No, he didn't even drop Brady. You know, he was an assistant to Belichick back in the day. So. I, I don't know what to say about when it comes to what they're going to be able to do rebuilding, but tanking is not the way to go, especially when you got a lot of cards and chips. And uh, with that being said, much love to you guys. 610, keep these boys together. Let's go. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> hey, that, was, that, was, hey, that was a real one. That was a real one. Hey, and look, I agree with his point for the most part uh, on tanking. It's, it's interesting the the point that he brought up about Silas and Cully inheriting disgruntled stars uh, because, you know, Silas inherited in some ways now basically back-to-back years of disgruntled and or untradeable stars. You know, like he, he mentioned John Wall, but Silas actually inherited the, the disgruntled star that he actually inherited was James Harden, mm-hmm. who was yeah. tradable, and they did trade. But now they've got, you know, and they traded Russell Westbrook for uh, for John Wall. But, you know, fast forward a year later, and you're kind of in a similar predicament, but with an untradeable star. You know, it's not even so much that, it, that John Wall is just disgruntled. It's just that his his utility here is, is no longer, you know. But honestly, for me, like, I would be playing John Wall. Like, it, it, I don't think, I think it's a fallacy that the Rockets came up with that playing John Wall, and part of this has to do with the mistake of making Kevin Porter Jr. a point guard. I can get to that in a second. But I think it's a fallacy that playing John Wall would stunt the growth of Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. I think that both of those two players are actually guards, like wings, scorers. Yeah. And John Wall, who doesn't have to score, but can't he can score, but he don't have to score a bunch of points. He's just an actual point guard. Yeah. Which them other two cats are not. And I think that was where they where they went wrong. If they like you could have a really dynamic wing combo with Kevin Porter Jr. and and Jalen Green. Now I, I know when they decided to do the Kevin Porter Jr. thing, they hadn't had Jalen Green yet, and so when when they said, "Hey, we're gonna make him a point guard," that that didn't factor into it. But I, I think that that's just a miscalculation on their part, uh, just just uh, you know strategically. Yeah, so, I think I think they could have. Um had Kevin Porter Jr. come off the bench, to be honest, man. Yeah, no, I agree. I don't th- yeah, I think they need a punch off the bench. And I, I think he would have been fine with that because John Wall ain't going to be here forever. Yeah. So I think John Wall could have held down the starting spot and he come off the bench and give you minutes and be that punch, kind of like a Jamal Crawford type. And, of. and, and not, just, not just Kevin Porter Jr., but right now, honestly, Jalen Green is not above coming off the bench. Like, eventually, he's going to be a star. Like, yeah. he's going to be the face of the franchise eventually. But he could come off the bench, quite honestly, at 19 years old, skinny as a rail, like still figuring out what the hell he's doing out there. I would be just fine with Jalen Green coming off the bench, and I think he could give you the same amount of production. You still keep his minutes up. Like, don't play him like a bench player, like a scrub. Like, give him the Jamal Crawford kind of treatment. But, I mean, I I, I honestly think that 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 would be sort of the way to go. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. I have a question about South. I want you to clear that for me since I know you very closely cover the team, man. Uh, So what I'm confused about is because, like you said, Steven Silas did inherit a disgruntled star in Harden who wanted out as soon as he came in. Right. But I've also heard it reported that 
Steven Silas was brought in to help keep Harden and Westbrook and keep that core together. But as soon as he was hired, Harden apparently reportedly that was one of the straws that broke the camel's back. And that's what made him want to lead the team. He looked around and saw they were clearly in rebuild mode. So how did that miscommunication happen? And how is this not the most tone deaf team in the league? If this is how things went down. Yeah, I think that there definitely is a bait and switch type of vibe there because Harden and Westbrook were in support of Silas. At the very least, I don't know about how much support they were, they really gave him, but they both met with him and at least publicly seemed to support him when that hire was made. But I think more than anything, they saw the writing on the wall based how based off of how things ended in the bubble and how they flamed out in the bubble. And I think it was at that point that James Harden just realized that the team had already hit his plateau. So you got to remember what was going on at that time. Obviously, with the coaching change, that meant that Mike D'Antoni was out of there. Lo and behold, we found out that Daryl Morey was on his way out of there. And so James Harden's advocates are the ones that had empowered him. There was going to be some turn turnover was coming and was happening, and they'd already had the best of their days. And it just seems like James Harden looked around and said, you know, this this ain't it no more. We've already kind of hit the max. And you know how it is with NBA players, man. Yeah. They, like they don't have – they got the attention span of a gnat and, and, and the patience uh, less less than that. So that's that – I feel like that's basically what, what ended up happening there. And then if you remember, Russell Westbrook just didn't like – basically to your point about the dysfunction and the culture, he didn't like how – James Harden could pretty much decide when he was going to come He wasn't in training camp. Yeah, I mean, J- well, James Harden was just, like, he kind of just marched to the beat of his own drum. Chilling with little baby. Yeah. I'm t- chilling with little baby, <laughs> honey bunning it up. Russ was out here practicing all summer, man, and yeah. haven't even heard. Um, James Harden didn't even show up until late, so. He had things to do, You could man. tell he, he was, you could week. tell Russ was a little irritated, too. Yeah, yeah, no, it just, it just wasn't, you know, I know culture is a buzzword for the Texans right now, but that was really an issue for the Rockets was culture. Like, all the winning kind of masked it. The fact that they were contending, they were there in the mix with the, with the Warriors all of those years, came really close to making it to the, uh, uh, Chris Paul hamstring away from making it to the finals, it seemed like. A lot of that masked some of the underlying issues that existed all the while, you know, and, you know, who is it, Jeff Van Gundy, who says don't ignore in victory what you wouldn't in defeat? Well, in victory, there was a lot of shenanigans and foolishness going on, and they ignored it because they were winning. winning. Look, hey, look, I know I tease a little bit about what the Texans are doing well. We can come back on that on the other side. There is something that the Texans do well. I promise you, I know I tease that in this segment. You never heard me say it. What do the Texans do? Do they do anything? What? Yes. The answer is yes, and we'll tell you about it a little bit next. Playing all the hits. These are the hot stories of the day. Brought to you by WorkForMetro.org. You're listening to In the Loop with Houston's sports leader. Sports Radio 610. Black Friday edition of In the Loop. Got Brandon Scott from SportsRadio610.com here. Ryan Rocket is in the building as well. Figgy Fig, the best in the world at what he do. Also working on a Black Friday and look, y'all, the the Texans are terrible. Okay, they're they're bad. They're, they're one of the worst teams in the league. But they don't do everything terribly. We got Jets, Texans. It's the the, the battle of the shortest short person, right? Because <laughs> it's, it's, it, we we keeping it politically correct, right? So we're yeah. not gonna, we're not going to use uh, offensive terms. But that's basically what it is: battle of the short short person. But look, they don't do everything bad. They do some things well. The Rockets. 
Worst team in the, in the NBA right now. By far, the worst team in the NBA. So we were talking about that a little bit earlier. Do you feel bad for David Cully or Steven Silas? If so, do you feel worse for either one of them? Um, like, where are y'all at? Where are the loopholes at right now on the head coaches that are sort of manning the ship of the current rebuilds as they work right now? So let's go back out to the phone lines and see what, uh, what let's see what Apollo has to say about it. Apollo, what's up, man? Hey, what's the deal, y'all? Chilling. What's happening? Y'all chilling, man. Y'all boys banging, man. Both of y'all need raises. Hey, but, hey, um, say that. Appreciate it. Well, <laughs> but yeah, man. Oh, I don't really feel bad for that Cully as much, man, because I feel like as far as the Texans, I kind of actually, in my opinion, see them boys being pretty damn good next year. Really? Just because I think they can make a couple of little moves and they can instantly be better. With the Rockets, man, it's going to be a little rougher, man, because you got some youngsters over there. And it's just, I mean, they're playing pros. So when you play against pros, man, you got to really, you know, you got to get up to the speed and things like that. Because he got at least players like Chris and Kirksey and things like that to keep people in line or, you know, to work with. Yeah. But, you know, that Javen, like I was just thinking when y'all was talking, when people look back at, T-Mac numbers or even Kobe numbers, they first couple of years, they were already better than them. So it's like if you just give them a little bit more time, it's gonna, it just takes time. But with them Texans, man, a couple of more veterans, man, I think that them boys will be well off. Man, that's actually an interesting point to me because when I look at it, I'm like, you know, you said that you think that the Texans can be good next year. Now, I'll give you this much. In the NFL, I do think that the turnaround, like the way the league is set up, just the way the game is played, like not to get all cliche about it being an 8-8 eight and eight league, but it is sort of designed to be more parity. You are not designed to suck forever. That's why, you know, it's got to be terrible being a Lions fan, like I was saying earlier. But the league is designed for you to be able to recover relatively quickly. With the Rockets, I feel like they're closer because they actually do have the talent or the young talent that's there. Like, you know, Apollo mentioned in Jalen Green, I feel like, you know, all he's all he got to do is really get some get a little bit of hair on his chest. Yeah, he need to muscle up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's really that's really what's keeping him back. But I, I don't know. I think that that's uh that's interesting. What you, who y'all think is closer? Y'all think one of these teams is closer than the other? I mean, it's, you know, talking it's about tough, talking man. about measuring the, the short <laughs> short person. I mean, I mean, it's tough to even say who's going to stick around longer mm. because I've already heard the fan base be vocal about how Steven Silas, they're down on Steven Silas now. He's already getting rumors after Luke Walden got fired from the Kings. Now, suddenly he's getting mentioned in, you know, coaches to be released. So, I, I don't know, man. It, it's tough. Uh, I can't say that. The, the last caller said, Cully, the Texans were about to maybe, maybe be good next season. They could be good next <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't see that happening either, but I've heard crazy things about the Rockets this year that I've never heard about any team. I've heard people propose that they shouldn't be playing against good teams this year. They should be like a G League 2 where the teams like the Rockets play. I've never heard that about any NFL team. So I probably feel worse for Silas, I got to say, man. Yeah, that's interesting because, like, they got got at least, mm, let's call it three. Let's just go with the two that actually just went to the G League. They got Josh Christopher and uh, Garuba, two of their first-round picks. You know, they had four first-round picks. Yeah, people forget this. Mm-hmm. These cats had four <laughs> first-round picks this year. 
So two of them had to go down to the G League and play. Those are two people that you expect to be a part of the process or the rebuild or whenever things get better. And those guys are already in the G League. And then these dudes ain't one but two games, so they don't look like they're that much better. I mean, Kim, we had Kim Davis earlier. She, We had her on earlier talking about that she likes to see when DJ Augustine is out there in the game. And, like, I don't think that was a ridiculous take because they don't really have much of a point guard to speak of on the team with John Wall not playing. But, like, DJ Augustine is our age. Yeah. He in his yeah, 30s. <laughs> yeah. He's well into his 30s, a man with a family and everything like that. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, I mean, that's that that that's just tough. Yeah. Um, and I think you go through – I think it builds – accumulates worse when you're Silas because they play so much, man. So you go through it – like so many press conferences, you have to have the, that defeated look he has in his eyes, man. Yeah. So I just feel worse for him, I got to say. I feel like Cully – I don't want to say they're closer in terms of they'll be good next year, but I think they will win relatively be better than what the Rockets are in their league next season. Yeah, no, I, I I agree, man. Like, I, I don't I don't see – I'm going to be honest with you, man. I don't really necessarily see it getting better next season for either one. Like, not, not – You think n- they're they're going to start off this bad? Their, not, their schedule no, can't be yeah, this no, tough no, next not, year. I don't think anybody – you're talking about the, the – The Rock- Texans. Oh, yeah, no. So, the Texans. Yeah, I mean, they could. They, they definitely – You think they'll be two I, wins deep at this point next year. I think it's like I mean, who going to be the quarterback? That's what I'm saying. It, it, Fair it could be it could be a, a situation where they're not necessarily two two wins, but not a measurable difference, like a significant difference in Fair where enough. we are in the process to, to the point that Figgy just made of who is going to be the quarterback. Like the like we're still having this conversation. We're talking about tanking. A lot of that was centered around I mean and my thoughts on the, the reason why I had such passionate thoughts about that because it was centered around the discussion of do you play Tyrod Taylor or do you see what you got in Davis Mills? Like, are you self-scouting your own your own guy to see if you yeah. need to draft another quarterback? Yeah, and, and this conversation was happening probably week three, week four. And that's, to me, if you, you want to just throw some games, they got to be week 15, 16, where it's already over, people hurt, and you just throwing the, the young guys out there. But not week three. You don't want to start tanking that week three, man. That's that's ridiculous to me. This is what I need somebody to answer for me, though. Maybe somebody on the text line, 713-572-4610. Call in, text, or, you know, hit us up on social media, Sports Radio 610, find us. Maybe y'all can help me uh, understand this because this is a popular opinion. I, I read it this morning in a reputable uh, outlet. I think it gets trafficked here on this station quite a bit. But the idea that... You need to evaluate Davis Mills to the point, like I do, you do need to evaluate him, right? But to the point of it alters your decision making on whether you draft a quarterback. Like, what would, what would Davis Mills have had to have done before or now? Period. What does that man have to do for you to be like, you know, I would draft a quarterback, but I'm good. I got Davis Mills. <laughs> He got to be looking like Russell Wilson, to be honest, man. Yeah. like I, His rookie season, he got to be looking like that for I, me to say, you know what, I'm good. I, I think I think because I don't know who's going to be the quarterback in this draft that's worthy of picking top five, but if it can't be no way the Texans say, you know what, we, don't, you know, we good on quarterbacks. I think they should definitely look into it. I don't know if there's anybody going to be that worthy of picking. 
Yeah, it might not be. But you got you can't just say, nah, we good at quarterback. Don't don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, like if you're not gonna draft a quarterback, it needs to be more so about that quarterback. Like, nah, we just don't believe in that guy or whatever it is. But it can't yeah. be it can't be, you know what I if you got a, if you got another player, but you know what? Yeah, I got Davis Mills right now in my hip pocket, so I ain't gonna do that. If it's another Trevor Lawrence in the draft, you can't just pass him up because you know you got Davis Mills. Yeah, I don't, you, you I don't, just got to go with it. I don't think it would be that drastic, but like, like nobody's passing up Trevor Lawrence. But I mean, even like I said, when they drafted Davis Mills, I like best case scenario, he's Kirk Cousins. You know, Kirk Cousins was a fourth round pick, picked in the same draft as RG three. The Washington football team, with the racist name at the time, picked <laughs> two quarterbacks in that draft. RG3 with the, I guess he was either the number two overall. They picked him in the first, obviously, yeah. with one of them top picks, and then went and got Kirk Cousins in, like, the fourth round. That ended up being. That is wild, ain't it? Yeah. How he outlasted RG3. Ended up being the dude that they <laughs> franchise tagged twice, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and, and he's still playing. And then went and got money. So he got the franchise tag money, which is good money, for you know, for, for a one-year deal. And then went and got two lucrative short-term deals in a row for Minnesota and still out here still playing. Still playing. RG3 is in the booth now. Right. So best case scenario for Davis Mills is that he's Kirk Cousins. I don't see it, but maybe. But like are you going to not draft a quarterback cuz you think you think you might have Kirk Cousins on your roster? Like that's that's ridiculous. But what do you think about this quarterback draft period, though? Do you think that there's somebody worthy of replacing Davis Mills coming out the draft this year? Uh, worthy of replacing Davis Mills, possibly, but what does that mean? You know, like what? I mean, what you know, are, what they, mean? are they worth picking top five? I don't know about that, man. Usually around this time, a quarterback would stick out, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, he might, he should be a top five pick. But I haven't seen a quarterback like that with my eyes. Nah, man, I've seen the quarterbacks I've seen mocked, you know, they vary. They go from uh, the Malik Willis kid from uh, from Liberty. Uh, Matt Corral gets some love from Ole Miss. Um, but honestly, man, like, remember they, they were talking about Sam Howe, uh, dude from, from North Carolina early in the year. I haven't heard yeah. that man mentioned because well, he came out and stunk it up in his first game of the year. Nobody has mentioned him since. Yeah. So yeah, no. It, so what what would you do? Let's say the Texans traded Deshaun Watson, they got a whole bunch of picks back. And let's say they have they had their own, let's say, third overall pick, and then they had the other uh the other pick that was like ninth or tenth or between ninth and fifteenth. Yeah. Do you go for a quarterback around that time if they're there? Or do you just Nah, because they're gonna beat it. They're gonna be there and they're gonna be there for a reason. That's the thing. Nah, I, I, not not necessarily. Like, I'm okay. I'm scared of picking the quarterback at top five in this draft. But if they're around 15th, 16th, or something like that, if they fall, I mean, I don't know, man. I'm comfortable <laughs> with letting the evaluators evaluate, right? So and if, if there is a quarterback that's out there that we just don't see it, we just don't know about it, and they feel like, hey, you know what? We see it. We, we want this guy. I'll let them live with their decision. You know, like, hey, go ahead and pick that guy. Now, if it be wrong, we're going to set your ass <laughs> on fire out here when we talk about it. But go ahead and do that. But for me, the logic just can't be, nah, we're not going to do it because, uh, you know, we got Davis Mills right now. Like, that that, that, <laughs> yeah. that to me just does not make any sense. And, and to that end, like we're talking about who's going to be the quarterback, if you're not going to draft one, if you don't think that there's one that, that's better than Davis Mills, probably should bring Tyrod Taylor back. Not that I love that. 
But in the meantime, if you're just doing plug and play or placeholder type of stuff, I think that he's shown he you can hold it down. At the very least, he can hold it down until you find exactly who that guy is. So, yeah. I'm down with it. I'm, now that I'm in a bad mood since you got me thinking about Davis Mills, I want to talk about the halftime show of this <laughs> yeah. hey, Lions game, if you don't mind. This game, I'm watching, uh, and I, I see Big Sean is in there. And Big Sean been popping up in a lot of pic- De- Detroit pictures lately. Uh, I guess he's doing some promotion for whatever. I, don't I think know. he got a project. He must got a project coming album out. coming or something. But we look up, and Rocket, you brought up this point actually. Like, how is it that the Luke Combs show at the Star, you know, in in Arlington for the Cowboys Raiders game was such better production than uh, than what we saw from Big Sean? Like, what did you think about this performance, and why did it? Uh, why was it so lackluster? Man, first off. Okay, I get I get they want to bring a Detroit artist in. Big Sean is just somebody I've never been a fan of. Uh, I think he is a very I, I a lot of people love Big Sean. A lot of women love Big Sean. I can't speak to why they love him. I always thought he was kind of average man, and he never had like a a huge nationwide hit to where it's like it would get a football crowd moving in halftime. So that the choice confused me, but I'm like, okay, maybe it's a Jay-Z Rock Nation influence. You know, he's it's gotta and, be. Yeah, you you'd assume so. Because Jay-Z and Rock Nation have a partnership with the NFL now. And you would assume suddenly since we've seen all these rappers coming yeah, in. Yeah, because there was that, another performance not that long ago that was clearly I'm trying to remember what it was, but there was another performance not that long ago that was clearly like, okay, that wouldn't have happened to Jay-Z. Whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And then the Super Bowl halftime show got Dre, Kendrick, Eminem, Mary J. Blige. You know that's the Rock Nation influence. That might be what I'm thinking about. But the the worst thing about the Big Sean, like say what you want about his music, the the production value was just so low, man. They gave that man a camera, put him in the nosebleeds in the audience, and said, <laughs> "Hey, here's a mic. Just go ahead and and do your song." And, and, and not just in the nosebleeds, but in the nosebleeds with like non fans. Like I'd love to know. Maybe maybe I need to read up on this on like exactly if that was supposed to be some type of special section or those. People that he was sitting with were representative of something, some kind of cause or something that they were trying to advocate or promote. Because I'm like, he, like, I don't understand that Big Sean is from Detroit. I understand that the game is from Detroit. I presume that the people in the stands was from Detroit. But they ain't seem like they knew each other. Or, or like they was, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know what I mean? Like they like they from the same, you know, not even just race, but yes. like, like vibe, culture, none of that. Like they were like, who is that? You know, like if, if, if you sit a, a star from Houston, a Houston act next to me. I don't care if it's if it's Meg the Stallion or if it's doggone ZZ Top. I'm gonna know and I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. let's let's put on. But they were like, "Are we supposed yeah. to know who that is? It the guy with the microphone <laughs> and the braids?" It didn't look good on TV, man. Usually, when you want something like that, when you supposed to be in a crowd, the crowd's supposed to be a little rowdy. And he's supposed to walk down a little bit. People, you know, got the phones out. It just looked like people was just sitting there waiting for the game. And yeah. some random dude with a microphone just started talking and just started rapping. And and then he didn't even do the songs that we know or that are, that are hot. He did a lot of new songs that I wasn't familiar with. I think he's trying to go for a more mainstream look. I, we talked this on our podcast about how he left his old label. He's kind of more independent now and in control of his music. I think he wants to build up hype for his next album coming out. But it was a strange choice. I think he's more of a NBA Pistons Little Caesars Arena 
type artist <laughs> than he is a Detroit Lions halftime show Thanksgiving Day type of artist. Yeah. You know, that that's what really confused me. Like the only rapper you could really bring in and from Detroit to rock a crowd like that would have to be Eminem. Eminem, yeah. But you don't think Freeway could do it? Or no, I'm sorry, that's Philly. I'm tripping. Yeah. I'm tripping. Yeah. Who you're else right. from Detroit? Like yeah. there's a lot of new rappers from Detroit, but they're not popping on a nationwide level like that. So not cash doll? Yeah, maybe BFB the Pac-Man. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. I would love to see that, man. <laughs> hey, hey, but I ain't gonna lie, man. I'm not. I don't necessarily follow Luke Combs' music, and I'm not like you know gonna pretend to be some kind of fanatic or anything. But his show was kind of lit. His yeah, show was kind of lit, and the, and the production was was, was yeah. certainly better, right? The production looked like a Super Bowl halftime show, damn near, man. Like the the cheerleaders out there. I think they had pyrotechnics, live band, everything. <laughs> They gave Big Sean a camera. They put a camera on the floor so you could rap to it like it was a, a House of Pain video or something, man. I don't know what they were doing, but the, the production value for Luke Combs was just so much. Yeah, I, I, get that, yeah. I get that it's in Jerry World, and it's going to be bigger regardless, right. but it was disappointing as a rapper. Yeah. Hey, man, I, I feel like the Big Sean show um, in that stadium, I felt like on the other side, people probably didn't know it, w- it was even going on. But Jerry World, it was like everybody know, it, it, hey, guys, it's a concert. It wasn't like that in Detroit to me. Yeah, I think it's interesting when a show is both a, you know, obviously a live show in front of a live audience, but also a television production at the same time. We see these a lot. But I feel like the compromise that you can't make is we're going to put a camera on the ground. Like, what are you doing when you're in the crowd and say you are into the show? Like, say you are a Big Sean fan and you do want to see the performance. And Big Sean is just rapping to a, a camera under his crotch. They didn't want to show the the crowd lackluster <laughs> emotion towards his performance, man. They said, let's cut this and just that, get to the ground. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Because it sucked when you go to a concert and your seat is towards the side and that artist don't even look that way. That kind of sucks. So I can't imagine being there if I'm really there to see Big Sean and he rapping towards the ground. Yeah, I, I feel like – so the halftime acts, I'm sorry, the Super Bowl acts, I do expect – to be, I mean, they're just better acts. They're better artists, mm-hmm. more iconic. Even if they're not as good, if the performances don't, like, we're going to still watch. We're still going to be engaged. A little concern, like, are they going to get it right? Are they going to get the production they have right? To. They have to. They have to. They have yeah. to. Dr. Dre don't come out for nothing. So if he's coming out, you know they have to get this right. It's going to have to be top notch. I, I have yeah. faith in it. Yeah, and, and you can't have the best producer ever and then have a bad, you know, performing yeah. and then have a, a a a poorly produced show. Okay, so that that that's not gonna be good. Look, I've been telling y'all, y'all don't believe me because I haven't actually <laughs> told you yet. But I've been telling y'all, man, the Texans do actually do something well, and we gonna go over it at some point in this show. Hopefully next. It's a football Friday on Sports Radio six ten. Here's in the loop with Landry and Lopez. Football Friday. Black Friday edition of In The Loop. We in here, Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com. Figgy Fig in the building with you. Best in the world at what he do. Ryan Rocket also joining us on the Black Friday edition of In The Loop. The Texans are playing on Sunday. They got a chance to win their second straight game. We talked a lot about the rebuild, patience. Uh, Does it make sense? Uh, Tanking, does that make sense? the ethos behind all of that and I just want to point out that 
the Texans do actually do a thing well. And I know I've been teasing this the last couple of segments. I'm going to tell y'all what that is. If y'all been watching the games, you know what it is. And I feel like I owe a little bit of an apology. Maybe not just me either. Maybe most of the pundits here in Houston sports talk, media, radio, all of that. The Lovey Smith hire rolled my eyes a little bit when that happened. Because it's like, man, what is this? Is this the early 2000s? You know, like I, I did not know where we were going with that because I honestly thought that Lovey Smith's career went to Illinois to die. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, it felt that way. And then lo and behold, that's the guy that they hire. And we're like, okay, runs a Tampa 2 zone defense. Like, what? what is, is that antiquated? Can that work in today's NFL? And the answer, I think, was a resounding no for most people. But I would like to point out that the Texans were horrible. Horrible taking the ball away last year. I think they only had nine on the year. That was the worst since, like, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but, like, since the 80s, I want to say. One of the worst outputs from a defense or from a team taking the, taking the ball away from the other team that we've ever seen. And you can't say that about this team anymore. Mm-hmm. You cannot say that about the 2021 version of the Texans, the Lovey Smith defensive-led Texans because they do actually take the ball away. And I think that was – not I think. It, it clearly was the turning point of the game against the Titans because, like, if we're honest about it, if we're real about it, they won the game. We took the win. I told you all the vibes are way better when the team is winning. But they only won because they was taking the ball away. Like yeah. they got they got outgained. I want to say that they were outgained like four hundred some yards to one hundred and ninety some yards. Like the offense was, wasn't good at the all. Offense wasn't good at all. So I'm looking at Lovey Smith as a defensive coordinator and thinking, okay, some of this stuff is fluky, but also there is like after a while, once you get a large enough sample size you do start to kind of buy into what, you, what you're seeing. Like, you are developing patterns. And I, I think that I think that they've clearly done that. Like, they, there is a mentality of, hey, we're going to go take the ball away. Um, not that they're acknowledging publicly that their offense isn't any good, but <laughs> when, when the offense is on the field, where's the defense? On the sideline watching it just like the rest of us, right? You yeah. just got to do better. Man. Yeah. You just got to do better. Just got to do better. And they and they see it even up close. They know football better than we do, obviously. Yeah. They actually said it, too. I, th- I think it was after the Miami loss where they had – I think they had like five or six takeaways. Yeah. And uh, one of the players, I think it was Malik Collins. I think it yeah. was – yeah, he said we got to have – we got to take, take the ball away more. Yeah. And then that's crazy because you got five takeaways and you still lost. Yeah. Yeah, like, so it's like not just do we need to win the turnover battle, but we got to win it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that, Figgy, because one of the interesting things to me about this team or what I think became clear to me as I was thinking about this or, or sort of reevaluating Lovey Smith, I do think I kind of better understand what this team was supposed to be. Like, they did a lot of things that didn't make sense. Five running backs. Like, how you have five running backs and ain't none of them good? 
<laughs> How does that happen? And then the yeah. best one you just give away. Mm. They did that. Yeah. So, like, that never really made sense. I tried to make it make sense. I was like, okay, Philip Lindsay, he's young enough. Maybe that's your, maybe that's going to be your lead back. Turned out to be your worst. <laughs> your, your very worst back. Worse than David Johnson, contrary to what anybody wants to tell you. Like, everybody yeah. wants David Johnson gone. Thought that was kind of weird. Like, nobody's defending David Johnson around here, but I thought it was weird that Philip Lindsay was by far and clearly your worst running back. They cut him, and then everybody was like, well, what about David Johnson? You mean, what about the dude that was the worst? They got rid of the guy that was the worst. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it, it did seem clear to me that part of the strategy was going to be, and this is, I think, part of also why David Culley uses turnovers and uh, penalties as a, as a crutch whenever he <laughs> talks to the public, because I honestly believe that this team thought that its route to success was simply winning the turnover margin. Mm. So do you think this changed? Because going in, I was, I'm sure they assumed they were going to have Deshaun Watson this year. Did you, do you think they expected Ooh. the offense to be this anemic going in? or I, I don't know. See, that that's a whole other thing because I don't know at what point it became real to them that they would not have Deshaun Watson. Fair enough. Because I think when everybody got hired, that was still the hope and the expectation that they would, you know, meet with their disgruntled star and that cooler heads would prevail and that things would calm down eventually, kind of like how they did elsewhere with Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, with Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Those were also disgruntled. Now, I don't think there's nearly the level of dysfunction going on in those places that's happening here, but those were also quarterbacks said to be uh, possibly wanting to be traded or at least not wanting to go back to their team. Like Aaron Rodgers yeah. Talk, I mean, he got his yeah. – all of them got their money. Talking about retiring, going to go host Jeopardy. I don't know how he was going to do that with, with his <laughs> uh, current hygiene and his look, but that's what he was talking about. Like, I mean, and that, that could actually come up. All of that could come up again. Worth putting a pin in for later because all of that could come in uh, into play next offseason. I feel like the morning show might have been talking about that a little bit. But I, I do wonder at what point did they realize that – Deshaun Watson wasn't going to be uh, a factor into what they do because if you if you go back and remember, Nick Casario was adamant about having a plan for the we 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 are not trading the player is which is what he said mm-hmm. and that we have a plan for him and we can't wait to get him back in the building this spring and share that plan. Well, it didn't even get that far, and yeah. and obviously some other things came up yeah. that 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 factored into that as well. Uh, David Cully when he was first hired said, all I know is he's our quarterback, you know, um, and that tune had to quickly change as well. So I don't know at what point they realized that the offense was going to go from having the league's passing leader to having, you know, a career backup or a career journeyman in Tyrod Taylor and then, you know, possibly even your your actual backup being a rookie, a third-round rookie. I don't know when, when that happened, but – I do think at some point, like, let's let's just take it to training camp, right, uh, to the summer. I do think that the plan and the strategy for any type of success, then this is assuming that they wanted, that, that they're not tanking, that they didn't want to tank themselves, that the plan was, hey, win the turnover battle, and not just win it, but you're going to actually go out there and, and, and turn the other team over. Like, your your offense essentially is going to be your defense. I'm not saying that was a great plan. 
but it seems to have been the plan. And as far as defenses go, I do think that Lovey Smith has been a successful hire. I don't know how you could uh I don't know how you could evaluate it any differently at this point. I agree with you, man. I think that uh I said that in training camp. I I thought the defense was probably going to be around 15th in the league, which is kind of crazy, but I just think the pe- uh the people they brought in the uh the Christian Curtis and you know um uh, the Terrence Mitchells and people like that that played on um all right teams, but they made some impact at some point. I thought uh, with all these veterans, I thought they was going to be pretty decent, man. And they, they like you said, they went in a turnover um, battle. So um, that's <laughs> if the offense was a bit better, I feel like the Texans probably would have at least two more wins. But the offense been so bad, and, um, yeah, the defense can't do but so much, man. Yeah, I, I think it's been a good hire. I just wish he would wear something other than that white. So old sweatshirt. Oh, oh, I thought you was gonna. I thought you was gonna get on the beard. No, the beard's clean. Oh, I was I gonna like, say, man. I don't like the white sweatshirt because his nipples be poking out, man. I don't like seeing that. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only one who noticed that? I know y'all noticed that too, man. <laughs> Can we wear a black sweatshirt, please? Hey, look, look. I ain't, Put I'm the tank top say, on. I ain't gonna say I never know. Didn't notice it, but I will say. I was not expecting a Lovey Smith nipple reference on this show today. Dog, did you hear the story that John Harris told? I think you're already here. I was driving in the car. John Harris did the show with uh, Seth Payne earlier today. Yeah. He told a story about how he was checking out Lovey Smith. I guess he didn't realize it was Lovey Smith. He was looking at him from the back, and I guess thought he was a player or something. And he was looking at him, and he said, damn. <laughs> and then Lovey Smith looked. I'm paraphrasing here, so forgive me if I got it wrong. Listen back on the uh, Odyssey app listen to that segment of the show but it was hilarious man he was che- like <laughs> i guess he didn't realize it was lovey smith he was checking him out from the back and said damn hey. lovey smith gave him a look <laughs> that, <hey. laughs> that wasn't the only questionable thing that john said this morning because like uh, earlier like in the i want to say around in the seven o'clock hour and i and i love john harris man knows more about football has forgotten more about football than i'll ever know oh, definitely but uh he also mentioned and i appreciate this that you know he Feels like I got a lot of potential here uh, in the in the business, uh, and was a is a fan of my voice, and said either said I could read him a bit I could read him a bedtime story or or the newspaper <laughs> or something like that. That's why I said that when we came in here, right when we was transitioning. I was wondering what y'all were talking about. That's what I was saying. I got him have to read you the newspaper one day. You should definitely do like audiobooks, man. I'm not gonna lie. That might- you should do something like. A Siri direction voice app thing or audiobooks, man, because you do have that crisp, clean voice. It could be in the cars eventually, man. We'll have to <laughs> we'll have to see what's what's up with that. But look, y'all, we was talking about Texans quarterbacks, Tyrod Taylor, Davis Mills. Is there a quarterback in the draft that's worth taking? We don't know, man. Let's talk to somebody that actually knows what he's looking at and what he's looking for when evaluating these quarterbacks. That's on the other side. From the Twin Peaks studio, it's a football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's In the Loop with Landry and Lopez. No Landry, no Lopez. Not just a football Friday, but a Black Friday edition of In the Loop. That's right. Black Friday edition of In the Loop. Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com. Got Figgy Fig in the building on a Black Friday, working on the weekend. Ryan Rocket is here with us now as well. The conversation earlier was about tanking, and I hate that we missed um, 
I hate that we missed so many uh, uh, a couple of the callers that that were calling in on that. And, uh, and if if you called earlier on the show and want to talk about tanking or anything, I I, I encourage you to call back. Uh, we want to make this interactive. We want you to be a part of the show. Seven one three five seven two four six ten is the number to get in. That you can. That's how you can call the show. Um, and you can also uh, obviously text in the show with your thoughts. And you know, if you if you got some questions uh, about quarterbacks <laughs> and about quarterback play and evaluation specifically for uh, for my man Quincy Avery, um, personal quarterback coach for um, guy who used to be your, your quarterback here in, in in Houston, but not necessarily mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, Deshaun Watson and others out there like Justin Fields, who we didn't get a chance to see on uh, Thanksgiving. That's another thing. Real quick, since we had him on the line talking about quarterbacks, the Bears, they ain't even had Justin Fields out there, man. They gave us Andy. And, and shout out to Katie. Look, if, y'all, if, you, if you're listening from Katie, this ain't no uh, much love to you out there out west, mm-hmm. okay? But come on, man. Uh, just uh, no Justin Fields. Andy Dalton, I know this is made, the schedules were made way in advance. There was no way for them to know who was going to be healthy. But I made the decision that it was not going to be a requirement for me to watch too much of Andy Dalton and Jared Goff out there uh, uh, playing. And then you look up, and they're just dinking and dunking their way uh, down the field. Now, I will say, actually, Andy Dalton, to, for what it's worth, was not terrible. He did play okay. I was going to say, you want to ask about that. Why was Trevor Simeon out there? Oh, well, I mean, they're out of options. Oh, that's another thing. And I actually kind of want to get uh, – I want to talk to Quincy about about this, actually, just as New Orleans – I'm interested in what his thoughts are, are on New Orleans as a QB destination, in g- just generally speaking, for whoever and whichever QB might be searching and looking for a new destination. I'm interested to know – and hear from somebody with more of an expertise on uh, on how he views that opportunity uh, in New Orleans with a a, team, a, a group that at least uh, you know the past fifteen years always feels a competitive team uh, has a quarterback guru of their own coaching the team and Sean Payton and what the appeal of that might actually be for a quarterback looking for a new home and and if that's just a prime opportunity. Uh, or if that's just – really, I feel like that's the only thing that New Orleans is missing. That's that's the main thing. And, and then health, I mean, they, they've run into a, a health issues this season as well, um, and that was indicative last night when you didn't see Alvin Kamara or uh, Mark Ingram, who they just traded for uh, you know, a bag of Skittles to the Texans to get. So I'm I'm very interested to know – Shout out to Mark Ingram, by the way, friend of the Gen Juice podcast. Check hey. that interview on YouTube, Gen Juice podcast hey that was such a good get by y'all man i don't know if y'all realize this probably didn't get enough play at the station and, and it should have but these guys figgy and rocket landed a mark ingram interview and man i just hate that it had to be right as he was on his way out the door <laughs> but that was a that was a hell of a get and and, and i th- i feel like one of my takeaways from it was that mark ingram seemed to take a little bit of inspiration from y'all like 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 he could maybe one day he could aspire him and Cam Jordan and they podcast could aspire to run the type of program, the type of operation that y'all run it, man. I mean, that that's flattering to say the least, because I mean, I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> I've Come been, I've been, I'm yeah, I know, I know, I know, but nah, it, that was all Figgy, man. Figgy out here hustling, getting guests on. So yeah, it's it's crazy because I had that, I had him lined up when he was a Texan. It was like weeks ago before, 
and it kind of took a little a, a little longer than expected to come through. And then once he got traded, I'm like, damn, I don't know if he's going to hop on now because he's on a whole other team. And, you know, but so I ended up reaching back out. And the guy I was talking to was like, yeah, we uh, let me reach back out to him, man. He was down to hop on. So uh, it actually worked out pretty good. Hey, so for the people who haven't checked it out, the people that's not up on it, man, what did, uh, what did y'all talk about? What's some of y'all's uh – some of y'all's takeaways from work. The, the, well, the crazy thing about that interview is apparently it was part of a rollout for the new Call of Duty game. Yeah, that's so right. So right. the people from Call of Duty set it up, and mm-hmm. they were like, okay, here's all this stuff about the game and some copy points, but, you know, we're, we cover everything on the podcast, but, you know, we work at a sports station. We want to ask about the Texans and things like that, so we're kind of like in the weird area. We're like, okay, can we ask about the Texans and the Saints and whatnot, or can we just keep it to games? Right. You know, but – uh. No, nah, we just asked him about his time here. He mentioned how he always wanted to play for the Texans when they, you know, they had the D-Hop and Deshaun Watson and J.J. Watt here. But uh, as things kind of fell apart, you know, of course, he did what he had to do. But he was a real cool guy, man. Super funny. Check out his podcast if you ain't seen it. Uh, the dude's hilarious. Great personality. Hope we can get him again because, no, nah, that was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, no, I, I miss his energy around the team. Uh, h- hated to see him go. One of the few productive players, the only productive running back that they had at the time. So, uh, so yeah, that really sucked uh, that 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 he didn't get to stick around. Look, we got to go to break, man. Look, real real quick before we do, it's Black Friday, man. We get a text. In other words, you only wanted to see black quarterbacks. That's basically what you're saying. No, I was looking for uh, uh who's this? This is thirty eight thirty eight seventy six. No, I was looking forward to watching Derek Carr. And I was looking forward to watching Josh Allen. I just didn't watch, want to watch no damn Andy Dalton. So, is it offensive to say no, that don't make me racist? Is it offensive to say the black quarterbacks in the league are the most fun to watch? Like, can we can we all admit that without? <laughs> we'll discuss that on the okay, other side. Okay, okay. It's a football Friday on Sports Radio six ten. Here's in the loop with Landry and Lopez. Landry and Lopez taking the day off. That means. And instead of your normal in the loop, you get a Black Friday edition. So you got your boy Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com. We got Figgy Fig in the building. He's the best in the world at what he do. So he came in and support on a Black Friday. We also got my man Ryan Rocket in. They together make up the Gems and Juice podcast. You got which, the Gems and Juice podcast and the B Block. Hey, podcast, we got the Gems man. and Juice podcast and the B Block podcast all in one building, man. This is man, this is historical stuff. We yes. had Kim Davis on the station earlier. Come to find out, she ain't never been on the station, and the station been around twenty something, almost thirty years mm-hmm. as a sports station. I don't know what the hell that's about. I'm gonna have to talk to somebody about that, uh, but not too loudly because you know I want to. Keep my job and uh, <laughs> stick around and everything. I mean, you already done admitted you done go to sleep, gone, gone to sleep at least two times during hey, look, Texas game. I, I so. tell you this though, I, I defend like that. Kinda... Hey, I tell you what, I dare anyone, I dare anyone to challenge me on. Hey, you should have stayed awake. You should have fought to sleep for what? <laughs> what did I miss of significance? And by the time I had work to do. I went back and watched the game. I got a, uh, I got one of our coworkers logins for the NFL game. Oh, you game, game, game you bootlegging game. the oh, NFL hey, now? Is it, is, Damn, hey, look. Is, it, is it a Black Friday edition of In the Loop or not? <laughs> I know, man. Are we gonna be authentic or not? Are we gonna? <laughs> I said earlier to open the show that it wasn't gonna be no cold switching today. Fair enough. All right, because okay, okay, we do okay, enough I'm of that. With it. We do enough of that throughout the week. All right, so 
This us today, baby. Oh, I'm All a right. crab in the barrel, so I'm going to go ahead and slide through, talk to Armin, say, hey, man, y'all need another <laughs> reporter? You know, I, I might have some time to explain what you mean. Hey, hey, but look, since it is a Black Friday edition of In the Loop, let's go ahead and make it even blacker. Yes. And go out to Larry and Stafford to see what he's talking about. So apparently, he got a bone to pick. There's going to be some on, some, some, some crime, some on crime here, uh, uh, <laughs> if, if you know what I mean. Black uh, on black crime. Black and, 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 hey. south, and Southwest at that. So what, what's going on, Larry? What, what, what I do to upset you, man? Hey, man, we're going to get to, to your uh, 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 Lovey Smith thing here in a minute about that being a good thing they're doing because I'm going to counter that. Right. I just had to get with, with uh, Ryan when he said, is it offensive to say you enjoy watching black quarterbacks? Hell no, it ain't offensive. <laughs> hey, we all we all know how the swagger look, man, when them brothers out there throwing that rock, man. And, you know, no offense to the, to the other Caucasians, man, but it's just a different <laughs> – it's just a different game when the brothers are in charge, man. Once you put us under center, everything opens up for you, man. But, you know, y'all can continue to have y'all Blaine Gabbards and y'all Mr. Trubisky's <laughs> and all that other stuff, man. But we like a little swagger with our meat, man. So that's all. Hey, hey Larry, yeah. Larry, Larry, Larry. Yeah. They, they was mad yeah. at me because I didn't want to watch Andy Dalton because I wanted to watch Justin Fields over Andy Dalton. Can you believe that, man? Hey, man. Hey, man, if they was mad at you for that, they crazy as hell. Don't nobody want to see uh, Lucy over there playing center, man, with that red hair, man. We was trying to see Justin Fields do his thing, man. That's what we wanted to see, man. Straight see, up. Andy Dalton could go be the Red Rocket out there in Katy or wherever he's from, man. We ain't trying to see that. But look here, a couple things, man. You know, you were saying that, uh, you know, some of the things, uh, the Texans do do some good things or whatever with the Lovey Smith hire, and I would counter that, but them silly-ass dudes kept Tim Kelly. So we got every, for every action, there's a reaction, and we know that these boys are 2-8, and eight, man, and the fact that Cully over there, man, and, you know, Lovey trying to help Cully out with the defense, but it ain't going to matter, man, because we still on this, this same plateau that we've been on until they make a fundamental change. And when I say they – you know I'm talking about Big Cal McNass. Until he make a fundamental change and decide that he's going to walk his ass over there to Deshaun House and knock on that door and get this resolved, everybody thinks that this thing is just going to be over once they trade Deshaun. Then you're going to have to go through five, six, seven Cleveland Brown years just to get to the point where you even want to watch football because there's going to be some quarterbacks that's going to come out and we're going to draft and they're going to stink it up, man. So I ain't trying to hear all that. But back to Black Friday, man, look, you boys are wondering why Kim Davis hasn't been on the air. I can tell you, but y'all don't really want me to tell you why. Oh, but yeah, I'll yeah, just yeah, say don't, that don't give us some trouble now, Larry. Don't give us some trouble, baby. I ain't going to get y'all in no trouble. It was just great to hear Kim on there, man, because she's been out there on the grind for a long time. And I love hearing her perspective on things, especially when she knows what she's talking about. Fellas. It's always good to hear my boys on. And Figgy, come on, dog. I'm going to go to Starbucks. You know what to send me when I go get that drink and I'll haul. <laughs> Don't get that pumpkin spice, man. Man, hey, <laughs> look. <laughs> the pumpkin spice. Look, Larry brought up a, a, another good point about uh, the the years going, having to go through a bunch of Cleveland Brown years. And, and you know, that's not a shot at Cleveland. But people forget. I don't know, do we? Do people forget what it was like all them years before before Deshaun and and all of them swings and misses the let's call it 2014 to 20 like the 2014 2015 2016 and having to go to like basically the the story of DeAndre Hopkins' career 
before Deshaun was the that revolving door and what that was like. Like, yeah. like that was that was extremely rough. It, 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 it was it was rough, but it wasn't Cleveland Browns rough. Because right. at least the at least the Houston Texans had a great defense. You had JJ Watt. They was pretty much carrying this team overall. And then you had the uh DeAndre Hopkins. The, the the Browns never had a DeAndre Hopkins type of player. They never had a JJ Watt type of player. It was they were just making bad picks, man. All, all the players they picked, probably not even in the league or probably, you know, non starters. So um, you know, it, it do sound bad because you didn't have a quarterback, but I it's better than being the Cleveland Browns, man. Yeah, man. Uh, I, I think that time was a lot more hopeful as a Texans fan and somebody who watched the Texans because you only you knew they were just a quarterback away to where you yeah. watch them right now and it's like, okay, they're everything away just about, you know. So Hell, hell they had the quarterback last year and they was trapped. So, <laughs> yeah, man, it's uh, – it felt a lot more hopeful even during those down times because we knew we had a good squad. We just needed a better quarterback. And now it's the, the fan base especially is just wondering where do you start? You know, can we even trust the people who are in charge to make these decisions right now? And that feels a lot more hopeless as a uh, from the perspective of somebody watching the team and as a fan. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm that's kind of where I'm at is like, you know, going back to this conversation of, Tyrod Taylor and, and versus Davis Mills, you know, and I, and I saw my guy, Aaron Reese uh, at the, at the athletic who I appreciate his work, uh, you know, lo- love being in the press conference with him asking questions. And, and after the press conferences, we powwow and talk about the answers that we got and, 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 and everything, you know, but he is also on this evaluate Davis Mills, figure out what you have in him. So you can figure out if you need to draft a quarterback next year, and like, I, and, and part of his point, part of the premise too, is that you do have enough sample size, enough body of work with Tyrod Taylor to know what kind of quarterback he is, and and I think that you can, without over or understating what Tyrod Taylor is, say he is about a middling, middle of the pack type of quarterback, not elite. Not trash. I I I do. I I would take some exception to a segment that In the Loop did several months back, where the 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 mental exercise, the intellectual exercise, found that Tyrod Taylor was the worst starting quarterback wow. in all of the NFL. Wow. And I, I I don't think that that looks too good uh, today, and and would take uh, exception to it. But I think that it is fair to say that whether he is the worst or the fifteenth best, it ain't gonna get you to where you need to go. Um, but better, better, better than what your what your option is in, in a in a third round rookie um, in in Davis Mills. So uh, that that's where I'm at. I, I have a random question for you, man. Knowing how, because you brought up Deshaun Watson earlier today, uh, knowing how just when you're in there asking questions, how difficult was it for you to ask? I mean, this is when we expected daily or weekly. Deshaun updates. How difficult was it for you to ask a question knowing you were going to get the, we're just going to take it day by day? Like, would you ever form the question? This is just something I randomly thought about, man. But did you ever think about forming the question in a way where you wouldn't get that answer? And was it even possible? Yeah. So there are two different schools of thought in question asking when it comes to something that's as topical as that. And I think that 
So particularly with Deshaun Watson, there were certain questions where you knew you weren't going to get an answer that was satisfactory, but you have to ask it for the record. So like just as part of an act of journalism and we can, we kind of doubt in the radio business now, especially in, in the 21st century media, we kind of are dabbling in both feet, uh, a foot in the both ends of entertainment and journalism, so, so to speak. But from a journalistic standpoint, some questions that on the outside or when you hear, you're like, why would they ask that? that why would they, they not going to answer that? Why would you, why are you wasting time with yep. that question? Why are you asking that? Because it has to be asked for the record. They can lie. They can no comment it. They can sideswipe the question. Uh, Nick Casario, the Texans general manager now, is the best at this, of being asked a direct question and not necessarily giving you a direct answer. And, yeah. that, and he's free to do that. Like, that's just as we're free to ask the question, he is free to answer it the way he wants. And I don't, I don't necessarily, you know, overall have it like I prefer to get a better answer, but I don't have a problem with that. You know, so that, that's part of it. But then also you want to, to kind of to the point and to the question that you're asking, you want your question to elicit a good answer because we are – the mindset I just gave you a minute ago is just straight journalism, right? Mm-hmm. But we are specifically in the audio business here in yeah. radio, right? So it ain't just about asking a question for the record. It's also about getting a sound bite or getting something that yeah. we can therefore. Sometimes they don't drink. answer the question, and that's the answer right there. Yeah. Like, if, if I say, what do you feel about Deshaun Watson? If you say no comment, even though that's not the answer we was looking for, he gave us an answer that we can talk about. We yeah. Can, Talk about why he say no comment and all this other stuff. Yeah, and, and it's so fascinating too when you when you get into the thick of it, asking questions. I can remember last year I asked JJ Watt a question that was just an I question, but he misunderstood the question mm-hmm. and, and 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 heard in his mind the question that he thought I was gonna ask. At this point, we you know know each other, the question that he thought I was asking, or maybe even the question that he wanted to answer. And it ended up being a much better answer or a much better soundbite than the little kind of anticipated. Yeah, or if I'm just being honest and self-critical, the question that I asked him wasn't that great of a question. It was just an I question. Yeah. And was going to get an I answer if he gave it to me. But he gave me the answer to the question that he basically wanted me to ask. And I'll never forget that because after the fact, it was made to be a big deal too, because uh, after the fact, he went back and reached out to all of the media to clarify why he said what he said, because if you go back and look at the transcript, the answer does not align with what he was asked. So <laughs> it's always an interesting kind of back and forth, tip to tat uh, of what goes on there. But speaking of questions uh, on this Black Friday edition of In the Loop, we got Lamont on the line, and I believe he wants to talk Texas. Lamont, talk to me, man. Say, man, uh, uh, first of all, uh, uh, all thing I have to say about the Texans is, man, uh, and I know that they do what they got to do because uh, uh, and what a lot of people uh, forget about this, at the end of the day, uh, the Texans are a business. It's about, uh, uh, it's about making money. It's about generating uh, uh, revenue. It's about generate, uh, generating a profit. But I think if they were just to come out and just tell us, uh, 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 you know, tell us what it is. And, and uh, this kind of points to the point that you guys are talking about, you know, that everybody is skirting around questions. Uh, you know, nobody don't want to come out and say it's a rebuild. We, I mean, we all listen to you guys on the radio. We all, uh, uh, us fans talk about it on Twitter and all that. Uh, we say it's a rebuild, but nobody want to uh, want to talk about that. And this, this is just not a, a Texas issue. Uh, it's around the league issue uh, because they can't just put out there that it's a you know, it's a rebuild, and, uh, you know, we just trying to do things different. So, you know, we left with, 
you know, we love with speculation, but I truly feel, man, if a team, um, okay, let me, uh, uh, let me go to the Astros. Let me go to the Astros. I can remember back uh, when the Astros was losing 100 games a year, uh, you know, everybody was clowning them. Uh, nobody was telling them that they had a grand plan. But after the, uh, after the Astros started winning and stuff, you know, everybody uh, looked back into those uh, three years that they was losing 100 games. It was like, uh, oh, they brilliant. And I'm like, uh, you know, I, I'm thinking to myself, it would have been a little bit more palatable uh, uh, if you could have just told us uh, back then what the plan was. But now – but it's just kind of frustrating because I'm one of those Texas fans. One, I mean, I'm beyond Deshaun Watson. I actually think uh, I think they should build around uh, 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 Taylor. That's me. Mean, that's just my own uh, opinion. Two, this is the uh, this is the third uh, two win team that I have seen. Uh, and, and you know, the, the Texas may win three or four more. Uh, one or two more games, uh, you know, put them up that a fold. But yeah, they got they got a, a they got a chance, they got a chance this weekend, Lamar. Don't 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 count them out. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in other words, back in 2005 when they lost two games, and back in 2013 when they lost 2000 games, them teams didn't look like me. Mean them teams actually look like they had something, and all they needed to do was have a competent uh coach out there to uh, 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 coach them. This team right here, this team actually looks like what they look like. I mean, they actually look sorry, man. And I guess it kind of frustrates me. It kind of frustrates me, man, because everybody is talking around circles. Uh, and, it, and I find myself getting mad at the media, man, because y'all got to frame y'all questions and, and, and you, 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 you know, do all of this type of stuff, you know, just to get some solid answers, man. I just want some solid answers. And not only that, man, I want this Texas team – to look like a team that, and and the defense is looking like that right now. Not so much the offense, but I, I, I just want them to look like they give a damn, man. Uh, and and I'm gonna say uh, my one last thing: Cully is not the answer. And I wish they uh, uh I wish Demico Ryan's getting here as a head coach. That's all I have, fellas. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like the the last part he said there about Cully is how a lot of people feel. Um, even even those who who like Cully and are rooting for him to succeed, he just hasn't really hasn't really shown you anything that indicates that 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 was um, the way to go or that that's part of the future. Not who was it? We had a caller earlier that mentioned as well that even at the time of the hire, it was like okay, this feels like a placeholder type of hire, not really a serious hire. It it felt like they were punting on the season or punting on just this this part of the process, uh, especially when you consider who all was out there that they interviewed. They interviewed Jim Caldwell, who's got pedigree, Coach Peyton Manning. They interviewed Leslie Frazier, got pedigree. Uh, coaching you know, a real good defense. Coaching a real good defense in Buffalo. Played on the 85 Bears, won a Super Bowl as a player. You know, things didn't necessarily work out great when he was a head coach. Um, with the Vikings, but you know it's you know, black black head coaches as, as retread, not necessarily mm-hmm. a thing, you know. Um, and and so you know, there was a concern about that. Um, and, and then of course the the lightning rod was Eric Bieniemy. Well, how come he didn't get more of a look? Um, I I feel like that this was, uh, you know, this was them like handpicking who they thought. I know manipulate has been the word that's being used, but 
maybe they would prefer mold. You can use manipulate if you want, but they wanted someone that they felt like they could have more of an influence on and wouldn't be as much of an independent voice, it seems. That's the way that that's the way it comes off yeah. that, that you would get somebody that was sort of just um, you know, happy to be here. Um yeah. but yeah, let's let's take a break, man. We'll get into a little bit more of this. Uh we got Texans and Jets coming up on the weekend. Uh got a big got a big college football slate. Uh the Rockets play tomorrow night. They got their second win of the season after losing fifteen straight. Mm. We talked about Steven Silas and how that's a struggle as well as far as the rebuild for the Rockets. So we'll get into a little bit more of that on the other side. Stay with us. Let's go around the NFL to keep you in the loop. Brought to you by Texas First Bank on Sports Radio 610. Brandon Scott of Sports Radio 610.com here with you on a Black Friday edition of In the Loop. We also got the Figgy Fig and the best in the world at what he do. Ryan Rocket is also in the building. We'll go around the NFL real quick. Yesterday's slate of games, not the most impressive. I think that the Cowboys and the Raiders gave us a little something to watch, albeit with a lot of penalties. But the first one was Bears-Lions, uh, a battle of two struggling teams, um, a, a tough watch, honestly, with no Justin Fields. I feel like that's really the only endearing quality of either team. But thanks to Dan Campbell. Ruining the clock management at the end. Thanks to Aaron Glenn. Uh, and, and shout out to Aaron Glenn. We, we, we love you, dog. As Ryan Rocket's favorite player. He hey, got his jersey. Hey, yep, man. Yep. The, 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 the inspiration for Ryan Rocket's jersey game. All right. We, we will not be wearing Aaron Glenn uh, Detroit Lions defensive coordinator t-shirts if, if anything was ever made like that. That would be weird if anybody ever made anything like that. Yeah, I burned but, it like they did LeBron <laughs> <laughs> after that game. But because of the mismanagement at the end, they were uh, not successful against a very bad Bears team that came in with a lot of turmoil, if we, if we want to say, a lot of turmoil and uh, a controversy with the rumors surrounding their head coach, Matt Nagy, who deserves to be fired but will not be fired right now. Um, and the, the the Bears were able to win that game um, late. Uh, and, and it was uh, the, the final was 16 to 14. Not the most entertaining game. I, I, I feel like Figgy described it best earlier in the show by saying that's kind of your background filler, yeah. uh, food finishing up. That's the opening act. We all been to that concert where somebody, you know, uh, opening up for the big artists. And you get there a little late. You might... You, you, you might be there. You like, oh, let, let's go get some drinks. Let's go get some food or something. They perform. Yeah, you know, let's no go, big deal. Let's go make the ice run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's them. Yeah, that's I, them. I, I, I am the cousin. I will just, I'll just admit, I am the cousin who makes the ice run. Or <laughs> the weed. Do you need something from outside? <laughs> oh, I'm about you need, to go to the store. Hey, I'm going. Hey, who who needs something from the store? Oh, you need me to move your car? <laughs> you know, I, I I am that I am that relative. I, I feel admit, you. You know, so you know, and and, and somebody's got to be that person. But um, but that's what we got out of Bears Lions. Now, Vegas and Dallas Raiders and Cowboys. That was actually a doggone good game. Ended in overtime. Uh, it was back and forth. It had, did y'all see the fight? Did y'all see the fight on the sideline? Are we calling that? Are we calling that a fight? <laughs> that wasn't a fight to are we you. Calling that a fight? Well, here's the thing. Okay, so it wasn't a fight. But I ain't never seen two dudes blocking each other uh, in the field, on the field. That and was then, a kerfluffle. 
at best. Was that a LeBron it hit was. to the face? <laughs> hey, it was kind of like them vibes, man. <laughs> it, it, so look, you're not going. Rarely are you going to get a real, real fight in these sporting events. Like it's not designed for that. If somebody's going to break it up before it gets out of hand. But I'm gonna tell you, I ain't never seen guys go from the field and the 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 jockeying go all the way from the field to almost to the stands, like basically uh, to to the furthest end of the bench to the yeah. to the deepest part of the bench that you could get to. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah. And, and and when it happened, I was actually driving and listening to it on the radio, and uh, right here on Sports Radio 610 and Ross Tucker. Before it was actually even announced what exactly happened or, you know, said what exactly happened, you hear him go, oh, oh, my God, you know, kind of <laughs> react because he's seeing it, you know, happen in real time. And he also said, you know, a former player himself, that he had never seen anything like that. Like, it wasn't really a fight. Just the, exactly what happened was just weird and odd, I, I thought, anyway. Yeah. And then and then the referee come out there with a little cut on yeah, his chin, a little war wound. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, the, uh, the, the, the Raiders ended up beating – the Cowboys, 36-33, I believe the Cowboys have lost four or five or something like that. Like, it's looking or yeah. either three or four, four or five. They are, yeah. not, they are not doing well. Two in well. a row, man. Yeah, man. And, uh, and, and obviously, uh, that, that's, that's not looking good for them as a team that was supposed to be a contender in the, in the NFC. Probably still going to win that division. But you're looking, at, you're looking at them like, you know, they need to get healthy. I yeah. saw a report this morning about Zeke's uh, carries being limited even more, and he's already start, starting to take a backseat to Tony Pollard uh, being yeah. ba- being banged up. They're saying it's going to be that uh, be that case even more so now. Yeah, now they did have a lot of injuries. They had people on the COVID list, right? So that that could have had something to do with it. But they, I think they should have won this game. Shout out to Anthony Brown, man. He was getting picked on. He got like well, – My man had four, four PIs. Pat, yeah. <laughs> four PIs. But, yeah, you are right. Amari Cooper on the COVID list yeah. uh, and, and C.D. Lamb, Houston's own C.D. Lamb with uh, with the concussion, out in the con- con- concussion protocol. Uh, and so all of a sudden you go from having your best receivers being Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb to now is Michael Gallup and some dudes. You know, you're, yeah. re- you're relying on Jordan Schultz. You How do you feel about the penalties? Man, it was the like it was the most penalized. Now, now one thing I think you got to keep in mind it was that it was a Thursday game, mm-hmm. so Thursday games tend to be a little sloppier, um, and, and some of these teams just flat out weren't weren't very good. Like we, we already said, to deal with the Lions and the Bears, like you're just dealing with terrible teams in, in that case. But with the Cowboys and the Raiders, man, like Sean Hockley's uh, crew. I feel like well, I want to say they they threw like twenty some penalties out there. Twenty eight total. Man, yeah. every time you look up, it was, there was a penalty. I felt like when there wasn't a penalty, it was an entertaining game, but the penalties bogged it down, and the game was damn near four hours. It felt like a five hour game. It man. felt like it, a it baseball game. I was yeah. like, am I is am I watching the NFL on a Thursday night or am I at Minute Maid Park, you know, waiting for you know uh, an American League matchup to wrap up. Yeah. You know, like it was uh, like I was really turned off by the penalties. And then I ain't gonna lie to y'all, man. Buffalo beating up on New Orleans like that, 31 to 6. Yeah. It was very apparent very early that that wasn't gonna be much of a game. Yeah. And uh, I, we've already gone yeah. over my affinity for sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The broadcast, uh, the Josh Allen, uh, I, I guess the propaganda for Josh Allen was in full effect for this game because <laughs> I felt like every play they talked about how great he is. <laughs> He had his own little profile piece at halftime. Like, this was the uh, Josh Allen for president 
yeah. NFL game. Hey, I'll say this though. Josh Allen was giving out turkeys this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> like as if I felt like they played that like three times throughout yes. the game. But but also <laughs> as if literally everybody in the NFL, I feel like. If you go to I would love to poll all the NFL cities. Who which NFL city among us? They players didn't do something special for Thanksgiving. It's got to be damn yeah. damn written in the contract. Yeah, I Texas think so. Texas did something nice. You know, Tyrod Taylor was out there passing out stuff. Laramie Tunsil, who, you know, for the most part, don't really care about nobody but Laramie Tunsil, <laughs> was out there doing stuff for the community. You know, like, you had everybody out there doing their thing. So, yeah, like, how is that any different? But I will defend Josh Allen from in this regard. It wasn't really a lot to hang your hat on in that game. It wasn't really yeah. a lot to really watch. And Josh Allen, at the very least, is exciting. And uh, what do we call call it? The NFL is a copycat league. And what were we saying about you know the about the black quarterbacks? Mm-hmm. Hey, Josh, Josh, Josh Allen got a. Got He's a little, the exception. Uh, got, well, I mean, <laughs> I know he went to like Wyoming or somewhere, somewhere like that, but okay. my man got he 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 got he got a little of 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 the us in him as well of as far as the the entertainment value at least. Who, who's the black or white quarterback, Josh Allen or Drew Locke? Ooh. <laughs> Stylistically, Josh Allen, and then culturally and personality-wise, probably Drew Locke. If, okay. I, if I had to guess, um, you put you put them together, and you might actually have a black quarterback. Yeah, Drew Locke <laughs> knew all the words to put on by Jeezy. So, yeah, I mean that's all I give him. But see, that's one that they play in the club. Like in his time, yeah, how old is yeah, he? Like what, twenty three? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah, unless he was on the teen club scene. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But that's also Locker. a classic, too. Yeah, that's a yeah. So, um, But, yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right, look, we got time, man. I want to go out to my guy, Cody Davis, host of the Locked On Texans podcast, writer for the, t- the USA Today Texans Wire, um, the uh, writer for the Dream Shake, uh, the, the SB Nation Rockets blog. I'm, when, I, when I say this man is Johnny on the spot, this man don't miss nothing. And I see him at everything, one of the hardest working men in the business. I'm talking about Cody Davis joining us on a Black Friday edition of In the Loop. Cody, how you feeling, man? Thanks for being with us. I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. This is my very first radio spot, period. Not just for Sports Radio 610. So I appreciate you, Brandon. Nah, don't give yourself a little bit man. more credit, man, because what's really happening, <laughs> I don't know if people realize, but y'all hear the promos. We got commercial. So how does it happen then that you're – your first radio commercial come before your first radio hit. I don't know if y'all realize this, but Cody Davis and John Hickman's Locked On Texans podcast got got commercials and spots on this station. We ain't even got there. no Gems and Juice commercials <laughs> on here, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, like you you you've already kind of I wouldn't even say skipped the line. You just uh you just kind of arrived kind of quickly. But uh, real quick, we don't have a whole ton of time, Cody. But I appreciate you for joining us anyway, man. I just no wanted worries. to get your I wanted to get your thoughts on this upcoming game between the Texans and the Jets. Um, I know that you are uh, pretty much everywhere and that you were, I'm pretty sure you were in RG today, bouncing back between mm-hmm. RG and Toyota Center. What are some of the things that you're looking out for in this game? Do you, do you think this is a winnable game for the Texans? Do you think that's a good idea to win the game for the Texans? Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything about this matchup and about this team that stands out to you? 
Yeah, most definitely. I really do think that this is going to be a win- winnable game for the Texans, and especially, especially considering that they are also coming off a win that, of course, throughout this whole entire week, I saw it, Brandon, I'm pretty sure you saw it as well. It kind of lifted up the spirits of this team, and look, we all didn't have the Texans winning too many games. Some people thought they were going to be the, what, first 0-17 team in NFL history, and I knew that wasn't going to be the case. But what I did say that I can see this team winning somewhere in the ballpark of between four and five games. Now, I know the eight-game losing streak made that kind of unrealistic at the time, but they was able to get that big win in Tennessee, and they're going up against the New York Jets team that's just as bad as them. Both teams are 2-8. and eight. But you got to consider, one, the defense is playing really good. Ten takeaways in the last two games, plus they're playing against a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson. And you also got to consider the fact that Zach Wilson is also coming off an injury, and this is going to be his first game in like almost a month. So I'm pretty sure that is going to be something that Lovey Smith and the defense is going to be able to exploit. Plus, Tyrod Taylor got another game under his belt from him coming off of his injury. And I always say it going back to, you know, when we when the Texans first signed Tyrod in March is the fact that, look, he's not this dynamic quarterback like when they had Deshaun Watson, but at the same time, he's not the worst quarterback. He is a guy that's going to, you know, help you get a league, and he's also a guy that's going to help you sustain a league. And outside of the game against the Miami Dolphins, I never consider Tyrod Taylor as, as a guy who's going to lose the game for the Texans. And we saw that last Sunday in the win against the Tennessee Titans. And I think, you know, no shot at Davis Mills, but if that was Davis Mills at quarterback, given the weather, given the fact that um, the Titans had, what, two, maybe three opportunities to steal a game from Houston, I, I think, you know, the Texans would have lost that game as well. But, you know, we saw Tyrod Taylor come in there and manage the game really well, and that's why they're sitting at 2-8 and eight, and possibly going to be sitting at 3-8 and eight by the end of this weekend. Then you could possibly say, ah, uh, that might be the last game that they're going to win. All right, Cody, we got about a minute left. I wanted to ask you as well about the the running back situation. Obviously, we know that they cut Phillip Lindsay earlier in the week. He's been picked up by the Dolphins. But that also seems to open up some opportunities for other running backs on this running back heavy team. For some reason, they decided to open the season with five running backs. They got about, it seems like they got about 50, 11 of them now. Um, what, what, how do you see this playing out as far as the backfield and, and who should get the, who do you think should get the bulk of the carries? And is this team going to ever be able to fulfill its stated identity of being a run first team? In my opinion, hell no. I mean, I would like to say the <laughs> running back position has been the worst position group of the entire, you know, the entire roster of the entire season. And if I had to pick a running back, I would like to see, of, of course, I would love to see Scotty Phillips, but he's still on IR. And, and from what David Cully told us, I believe that was Tuesday or Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken, um, whenever Phillips gets off of IR, then we're probably going to see them give him an opportunity towards the end of the season. But, look, we know what David Johnson is. He's not the guy that he was in Arizona. We probably won't ever see that guy. Um, Burkhead, I mean, he's been so-so. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he's not a part of his future. And, you know, and I, I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what can we see from, from Royce Freeman. I'm really interested to see. I mean, if he's looking for a home, that's a guy that's been bouncing around throughout his career. If he is looking for a place where he can call his home, let's say for the next year or so, this is his opportunity. Because like I just mentioned, we, we know we where we're getting out of Johnson and Burkhead, and then um, Scotty Phillips is still on IR. So this is his opportunity. But I, I wasn't surprised by the Lindsey 
um, departure. I mean, I kind of figured that was going to happen. In my eyes, he might have been the most disappointing signing that the Texans had this offseason, given the fact that I had him. You know, I, I'm not going to lie. I thought he was going to be the future of the of the running back crew because he was the youngest out of the out of the five running backs that they had. And you know, especially when you consider the fact that he's only what a year or two removed from rushing for over 2,000 yards in his first two seasons and a Pro Bowl selection. But it seems like that's 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 long gone now. So I, I'm not really looking looking too much in the backfield. All right, real quick, Cody, uh, we up against it, but um, we've been talking about tanking all day long with the Houston Texans. So I, I just want to know, are you pro-tanking or anti-tanking? Um, I'm anti-tanking. I got to admit, I'm anti-tanking. Unless you have a generational talent that you can't pass up on, let's say if the NFL had their version of a LeBron James or something like that, um, I think which in the next three to four years might be um, – the, the Manning grandson, Archie Manning grandson, but I, I'm 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 anti-tanking because at the end of the day, the draft is nothing but a gamble, and you can have the first pick that could be be a bust, and or you can draft Mister Irrelevant, and that might turn out to be the best person in that draft class. So no, I'm I'm anti-tanking. All right, that's Cody Davis, the co-host of the Locked On Texans podcast, writer for the Texans Wire, USA Today Network. Also does some work covering the Rockets. We didn't get to get into the Rockets, but uh, he's also covering them for the Dream Shake uh, as part of the SB Nation Network. Hey, man, normally on Fridays, you know, if you listen to the Locked On Texans podcast, I'm on with your boy. <laughs> um, so make sure y'all are yes, checking sir. that out as well. So, uh, hey, Cody, man, happy belated Thanksgiving to you, man. I appreciate you for joining us. And uh, it's a shame that this is your first radio hit, but, you know, if, we, <laughs> if they accidentally let us do this Black Friday edition of In The Loop ever again, uh, hopefully we get to talk again soon, man. Appreciate you. <laughs> Sounds good, my guy. Thank you. All right, bro. All right, y'all. So that was Cody Davis again. I uh, appreciate him for joining us. Look, we are toward the end of the show, fellas. I, I'm not going to lie to you. And, and it's going off the rails at times. And I I think that's been some of my favorite part of the show. Oh, definitely. Uh, sitting up here with y'all, uh, a lot more comfortable being able to kind of stretch out and, and, and loosen up. So um, let's just be transparent right now. I'm not exactly sure what we're going to get into on the, on the other side of this. <laughs> and that's not the most professional radio tease to give out there. And uh, I, I probably won't put that on my tape um, when I'm trying to, you know, build my, my resume and my reputation. But uh, whatever it is, you can believe, if, especially if you've been listening in the last three and a half hours, it's going to be fun. We it's going to be entertaining. So y'all stay with us. It's a football Friday on Sports Radio 610. Here's In the Loop with Landry and Lopez. No Landry, no Lopez, not your usual version of In The Loop. This is actually a Black Friday edition of In The Loop. Your boy Brandon Scott, SportsRadio610.com, holding it down. The Figgy Fig, the best in the world at what he do. You also got Ryan Rocket in the building who was kind enough to join us, man. I appreciate you sticking around for the whole full hours, full four hours, oh, man. man. It's been flying by, dog. Man. It's a lot of fun here. This has been really good. Like, And, and, and honestly, like I don't know... This this has got to be what it would take to get Rocket in for a full four hours, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and to not be back there on the ones and twos yes. at, at that too. You know, like doing you know his official uh, official kind of occupation and capacity, like yeah. just come in here and kick it. The last time we did, uh, I think Rocket was on the other side was when remember back in the day we did that six ten draft where we drafted all yes. the different hosts and producers and all that stuff. 
So um, shout out to Tab, yeah, man. Shout out to Tab, man. Our good friend Tab. He, first, first people were salty about that. I remember. <laughs> yeah. Remember who was salty? John Lopez. <laughs> but it's all good, man. Hey. I, I was first pick of the Sports Radio 610 draft thanks to Tab, man. So shout out to yeah. Tab, man. Yeah, and Tab also a, uh, a a staunch advocate and supporter of the Gems and Juice podcast yes. as well. So uh, shout out to him for, for doing uh, for doing the Lord's work in that regard, I, we always appreciate that, man. Rockets, you brought up something interesting, man, uh, because we were talking earlier about the lackluster production value of Big Sean's halftime performance, and I know the the entire audience does not necessarily care about this, but y'all gonna have to bear with us because this is what we care about. This is what we talking about today. So um, I, I'm trying to figure out who would we want to see for a Texans theme, Houston theme, H-Town, if we had the, the the Thanksgiving Day game, and, and again, we played in Detroit last year, but that was in Detroit. If it was in H-Town and you could draft or select the halftime act, and, and audience, get involved in this. Like, you know, we'll, we'll, we're, we're open to your suggestions. It ain't got to just be hip-hop, even though we hip-hop theme and focus over here on our end. Who you like? Who you love? Tell us who you love for a halftime act at a Texans game, especially on Thanksgiving. What y'all thinking, man? I'm 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 still kind of letting this brew in my mind, man. Uh, trying to decide what who exactly I would want. But what about y'all, it's, man? Especially as the the gym. It's the really authority. It's really hard because I feel like Houston have a bunch of different artists uh, all over the place where you can't just pick one. So I'm a I'm a cheat a little bit. I'm gonna say you can't go wrong with like a Swisher House reunion. If you have if you have a Swisher House reunion, you bring the the um, Mike Jones, you bring you know um, Slim Thug, you, yep. Paul Wall, Paul Wall. yeah, you you bring all of them and have one big performance. I think I think you can't go wrong with that. I think that's nothing but Houston right there, and I think everybody can relate to that. Yeah, what about you, Rack? I I agree that I would want to see that, but I'm thinking in terms of the NFL audience who just acted like they didn't know who Big Sean was. <laughs> like, they're they're not going to know who. In Detroit. You, you, Switch you, your house. You, you got to think about it, though, man. We in Houston. A lot of people might not listen to a lot of rap here, but they know the they know a lot of Houston artists. A lot of people know Bun B or right. UGK and right. stuff, Mike Jones and stuff like that, and they might not even be hip-hop fans. And, and Swisher House did have a lot of the most crossover. Uh, you know, if you're talking about, like, specifically, like, Slim Thug, Paul Wall, those would be the ones that people know about, right? Yeah. yeah. Like, even and if you're a casual. That's, that's the one thing I like about Houston, man. I feel like people in Houston, they appreciate anything that's from Texas, anything that's from Houston. I, I can't say that about Detroit, man. I don't think people in Detroit – really care about the the rappers like that if they're not a fan of rap. But if people in Houston, they love Paul Wall. They might not care about his, uh, his uh, you know, what he got going on. They probably don't care about hip-hop, but they appreciate somebody that represents Houston to the fullest. That's true. I would think that people, even if you don't listen to rap, you know what Top's Drop is. Oh, yeah. Like, you know the classics. So, I like, I agree. I would want to see that. But if I'm thinking in terms of what's most likely to happen, if they were putting on a production realistic, level, exactly realistically, and if Jay Z and Rock Nation were behind it in some form or fashion, it would probably be Meg The Stallion to yeah. do it, just yeah. because she's popping right now. They're trying to make her this huge star. She would be more likely the more realistic 
person to do the Houston halftime show. I would say Travis Scott, but not anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, yeah, I don't know that, about that. Yeah. I was going to say that's the awkward one. That's that's. I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like that is the awkward and also obvious choice. Yeah. Because he probably, if we're talking about, and obviously before the tragedy over mm-hmm. uh, at, uh, during the Astroworld Festival, we our hearts go out to all of those people and everybody involved and affected in that. But before that, he probably was the most palatable and most mainstream crossover, especially current Houston act that you could find with like current hits, production, and all of that. And you knew it would be a, a, a hell of a production, knowing how, how Travis Scott gets down with his performances. That probably would have been the one. You got the younger audience. Got black and white. You got everything like that. Probably would have been it. The real right? question is: Will his crazy fans try to rush into the game? Yeah, to try to <laughs> where they knock down the gates and all that stuff. Yeah, like well, I mean, since we on it, I mean that is the fundamental question and issue with Travis Scott's career at this point. What is? I'm actually interested to hear what y'all think about this. Like, I'm not saying his career is over, but what kind of show can he even do now? Like what? What kind of concert? Like he can't go do the uh, table. To, what's it? What is the library where they do the shows in the library? The table. What is that oh, called? The, the uh, tiny, t- tiny the t- table. He can't. He can't, yeah. table. he can't do that. Tiny so, desk. That's tiny right. Tiny desk. desk. Oh, I'm sorry. Man. I, I should have got that right. But yeah, he can't do that. So like, what kind of show can that man do? If Young Thug could do a tiny desk, I think that uh, uh, Travis Scott could do a tiny desk. But I mean, <laughs> I'm not saying he should do it, but yeah. he, I think he could do it. All right, on, on the text line, too, uh, number 2356 said Lizzo. I know Ryan is a big fan of Lizzo. <laughs> that, that, I overlooked that. I mean, that would be, honestly, I'm not even going to front. That would make be kind of safe in yeah. terms of yeah. the the age audience of Lizzo's listening people. Yeah, like let's that, be real. She got a white Lizzo fan song. base. Yeah. She got a strong white fan base. I mean, so let's, let's, a lot of people would know her songs. Pull a curtain back real quick. We play Lizzo here at, at, here at the station on 96.5, on Mix 96.5. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, her her songs play on that station. And you got to be kind of a special uh, type of act there to, or a special kind of crossover to get your, your stuff over. Like, they, they also play Post Malone, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that, that I, I think that's a good, I, I'm actually surprised that I overlooked Lizzo. When I was talking sense. about Travis, that yeah, sense. that's a good pick. That's a good one. Uh, we got we got a lot of people also co-signing with the Slim Thug, Paul Wall, Houston Legend. Somebody mentioned Zero. Um, that would be, that would now, be insane now. to see Zero on a halftime show, <laughs> man. That would be so surreal. That would be so surreal. <laughs> yeah. I would be so excited. I will say though that my most that when I was most in the Zero wasn't necessarily my my most uh, mentally healthy time period. It's the best time to be a Zero fan. Well, that's what I'm saying. Zero got a lot of emo. Like, Zero mm-hmm. is the emo thug, you know? And I don't mm-hmm. know I don't know if emo thug is the energy we're looking for for a halftime show. He got other hits, too, as well. Most of you done, all you got to do. Most yeah, done, that, that's, do that. really, that's really all it takes. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, man, I, I, I think that I think that that's a interesting. Personally, and this, this would not work, but personally for me, it would be Devin the Dude. That's who I would want to see. That's who I would want to see. For uh for obvious reasons, but uh but yeah, look, the Texans have an opportunity to win a game for a second straight week, for the first time all year, for the first time in a long time. They're actually favored to win the game. I don't think that's been the case all year. We'll talk about that on the other side. From the Twin Peaks studio, it's a football Friday on Sports Radio 610. 
Here's In the Loop with Landry and Lopez. Landry and Lopez enjoying the day off. Instead, you get a Black Friday edition of In the Loop. That means it's your boy Brandon Scott, sportsradio610.com. That means Figgy Fig is in the building. Best in the world at what he do. That means we got Ryan Rocket in the building for the full four hours with us. Yes, sir. sir. This is a big deal, man, because Ryan, I I can't tell you the last time he's been up here to do the podcast, man. That's right. You do that even virtually, huh? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I live. I live in League City, man. Okay, it's a long drive <laughs> to get here. Yeah. I used to live closer. I moved to League City, so it's a long ass drive. I come here to work for the Texans on Sundays, but it's it's a lot to ask to go back and forth. So, man. Yeah. Man, I'm glad to be here, man. I'm glad y'all invited me. I really enjoyed you. Yeah, man. And, and shout out to to the loopholes. If you listen, you are one. <laughs> even on a Black Friday edition of yeah. In the Loop. Whether you in League City, all the way down south, or if you all the way up in Conroe. Shout out to y'all too, man. I used yeah. to stay out there, man. Uh we ain't getting no bad messages yet, man. We we had a whole show. Everybody been positive. Yeah, so. I feel like everybody is vibing with it and it's just a different feel. Like I I mean, look, man, it's the end of the show. So we can <laughs> kind of just be a little transparent. There is some underrepresentation in this business, man. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this or not, but I'll just say there's some underrepresentation in this business. There's a lot of talent out there. It looks a lot of different ways, okay? It's a lot of different colors, uh, a lot of different types of voices, and there's some underrepresentation, okay? So it is a big deal. I hope y'all can appreciate and understand without feeling like race is being thrown down your uh, shoved down your throat, so all up in your face. I know a lot of y'all are squeamish and uncomfortable with that kind of thing. But it's not that, man. We just people up here kicking it. We friends. We yeah. uh, we connect offline, off the air uh, with our various podcasts and the various things that interest us beyond sports, outside of just the Texans. And, yes, it's a football Friday. Yes, the Texans play this weekend. But, man, we, we you see, as we've done for these four hours, can kick it and relax and discuss a number of topics that matter to us. Mm-hmm. So uh, so the fact that we were given this space and this opportunity, I'm really grateful for. Uh, so with that said, though, it is a football Friday. All right. And the Texans do have a chance to win their second straight game. I can't believe I'm saying this because in the beginning of the year, I picked the Texans to win four games. All right. Four games. They have already lost two of the games that I picked them to win. I think that would have been Carolina and the Patriots. This is before I knew what the Patriots were going to look like. I didn't know that the Patriots were going to be the Patriots again. <laughs> I thought they was going to be the Patriots that they've been the last couple of years, you know. So I didn't know that was going to happen. And, and, and honestly, the Texans had a fairly decent chance to, uh, you know, were competitive in that game. Um, not so much against Carolina. Um, of course, we know what happened with Davis Mills having to come in, Tyrod Taylor being hurt. But – here is one of the games, even before the season started, that I anticipated the Texans would have an opportunity to win. Um, another team with a first-year head coach and Robert Sala, um, used to coach here in Houston as an assistant, um, now is the head coach for the Jets. The Jets also have their rookie quarterback, Zach Wilson, coming back from injury. He has not been good. Um, I was somebody who was a proponent of really of all of the quarterbacks coming out of, of, of this class. I thought that they were all good. The ones that went that went high, right, the the first mm-hmm. rounders. Um, I thought all five of them had a chance to be really good. And I'm still 
somewhat bullish on Zach Wilson. I know he's got four touchdowns to nine interceptions. That is not a good ratio, obviously. And uh, and I mean, he's been bad. Like, let's just let's just call it what it is. He's been bad. But to that end, I think it sets up well for a Texans team that has shown an ability to take the ball away. Um, that I think gave Trevor Lawrence some fits in Week One. Another rookie quarterback gave him some problems in Week One, and then gave a veteran some problems last week uh, against the Titans. So I'm looking at this game as an opportunity really for the Texans to win another game. Past that, the conversation and the controversy is, should they even be trying to win games? Is it beneficial for them to win games? And we talked about it already. I think winning is always better than losing, no matter where that puts you from a draft positioning standpoint. Because quite honestly, the present matters just as much. Like like how things feel right now matters just as much. And that stench of losing, okay, it's hard to, especially if you're not going to detach yourself from the situation, which a lot of y'all have the option to do. Yeah. But that stench of losing is hard to get rid of, man. It's hard it to is. get rid of. And you see it, and you kind of see it with the Cleveland Browns, man. I, I know they made the playoffs last year, but – for years they had this stench of losing and right now they're not having the best year and people you, you see what people bringing up oh, they're the same old browns and you got players rumbling you got you know baker mayfield feel some type of way and i think that all has something to do with it man you you got to bring in winners man people that's really trying to win you got to bring them in you got to try to win man I, I just never believed in the losing on purpose and playing this uh, awful player over this good player it just don't make any sense to me yeah and, and just having a loser's mentality like yeah I, I think that is difficult to to preach culture and to act like you're establishing a culture uh, which I, I would assume the culture that they're trying to establish is winning okay we know that there's a lot of other things that go on with the Texan squad in terms of you know, culturally and what matters to them and what doesn't or what appears to matter to them and what doesn't. But I'd like to think that they care about winning, you know, that they want to win. And so it, it, it is talking out of both sides to say that you want to establish a winning culture, but you want to use games and the season to self-scout and to self-sabotage so you can evaluate the players that you've technically already evaluated because you drafted and brought them in and decided that they were worth bringing on your team to begin with so you already feel like you got some intel on them you practice they, they, they work here so they practice with you every day um, it's talking out of both ends to to to, to want to do that uh, but also uh, you know to say that you're going to establish a winning culture but also like lose on purpose or in embrace losing to the point to, to where you're rooting for it you know like i'm cool with if you losing games and say you do lose the game right mm-hmm. so at the end on the back end be like all right glass half full at least we get a high draft pick yeah but to go into the game and be like throw that interception don't score that touchdown be bad be terrible yeah. Or, you know, yeah, like, or that's 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 whack that's lame to me or at least if it's like week 15 week 16 right it's like Damn it, you know, let's see what the young man got. Let's put Davis Mills out there. Let's see what we got for next year and see how they do. I I, I understand that. 
But if it's like week four, week five, and you and you know Tarod is you know trying to come back, and people saying nah, don't even play him, man. Like ain't no point of trying to play him. We you know we need to high draft it. I, I just don't like that mentality, man. If the man is healthy and he didn't lose his job because of performance, play the man. Right. And no point of just giving it to Davis Mills and, and just to try to see what he got because, you know, we're going to lose anyway and we need this number one overall pick. It's disrespectful. I mean, just long and short of it. To me, it's just it's, it's disrespectful to the the people you employ, to the people that you brought in. Well, I, I have a question, though, just to play devil's advocate because I agree with you for the most part. But what do you think is more beneficial – to the Texans organization and culture going forward. Beating the Jets and the elation that comes at the day after a win or losing and potentially getting a higher draft pick to further build your future as a football franchise. I just don't think it matters. I don't think that anything that necessarily happens today is what like the aim of it is to benefit me going forward per se like like I don't think that today I need to lose today in order for me to draft well next I think I was hitting on this earlier was like okay if I lose the game fine and I get the higher draft pick if I win the game that's better because winning is always better than losing and now it's my job to go draft well anyway you know, like it's if I'm the talent evaluator, if I'm the scout, if I'm the one who does the selecting, it is not too much to ask of you to say, hey, you know what? Hey, Nick, I know we thought we was going to only win two games, but man, you know what? Turned out Tyrod Taylor was a little bit better than we thought. And we won four. Hey, man, look, I know we thought that the defense was just going to give up all of these points, all of these big plays, that the middle of the field was going to be was going to be open all the time. And the sidelines, people was going to be able to throw to the sidelines and get all of these chunk yards and chunk plays against your defense. And we was just going to road grade you, basically. We were like, we, we thought that was going to be the case. But you know what? It turns out that Lovey Smith's defensive philosophy actually works, and it was pretty good. And you know what? You won four games. Well, guess what? Instead of the number two pick, I need you to find me a good player with the number five, six, seven, or eight pick. I don't feel like that's too much to ask of you. So, like, obviously, like, I'm not I'm not that dense or, or basic to think that it's not better to have the number one overall pick as opposed to the number 15th overall pick yeah. or, or one over two even. Like, it, the, the, the optimal option, the best option is to have the top pick, okay, in the draft. Like, we can agree on that. I don't even think that's not a take. That's a fact, yeah. okay? But it is also incumbent on you to be a good steward of and good steward. That's like a that's that's almost like a biblical term. So I know Jack used to be and, <laughs> and Nick Casario can understand where I'm coming from with that. To be a good steward with your finances, in this case, your draft capital and evaluate, scout and draft competently like that is your job. It is not my job as a fan to root for my own failure just so you as an executive can do your job correctly. And I, I just think that that is an insult to the spirit of the reason why we watch these games in the first place. And it's kind of a little bit of a mind bleep, quite honestly, because mm-hmm. you come into it because you want to be competitive because you do enjoy watching your team have success. 
but because your team sucks or because somebody was incompetent, somebody made a bunch of bad moves, wrong moves, and you're not what you used to be and you're in this new cycle, now you got a root for them to continue to be what they have been, which is terrible, so they can hopefully get good again. Like, yeah. it, it is just, it, it runs counter to the spirit of what this is supposed to be, what we're supposed to be about. And I'm seeing here right now on the text line, uh, 713-572-4610. Y'all can still text in. Y'all can text into uh, the next show as well with uh, Adam Spillane and former Texas wide receiver Cecil Schwartz are going to be right uh, behind us in for Clinton's show. But uh, 4044 text in, having a high draft pick, don't guarantee you will get the pick right. And look, I, I, I think that that's also a, a cop out, like in, in some ways, like to say, oh, there's no, there's no guarantees, but it is true. It, there is no guarantee that you're going to get the, the pick right. And like, this is not foolproof. It is a guess. We are guessing. Like we get into the draft and when draft time roll around, our coverage is going to ramp up and it's going to be hype around here. You can believe it. Like we haven't talked about this yet internally, but I can imagine what it's going to be like here at Sports Radio 610 when the Texans got their first first the, the, for the first time in let's call it three drafts. They got a first round pick. Yeah. And, and possibly depending on what happens, depending on how things play out off the field could have more than that, more than one first-round draft pick. God forbid, like, that that be the situation. Like, it's going to be bananas around here with the draft coverage. But if we real about it, you can play this tape back if you want to. If we real about it, we don't, we don't, we don't know. We yeah, don't know. We, we, I guess I just kind of, shoot. I guess I'm just going to get caught up when you say that uh, you don't want to build a losing culture. That's why you want to win games. But I kind of feel like the Texans are there already. You know, and I don't think winning two more games uplifts the culture any more than not winning them. But maybe yeah. it's just me. I, I do think if they uh, if they put their best players out there and they just lose, I think you can't you can't get mad at them because they playing the best players they got. But right. if they got some good players that should be playing on the sideline because they want to lose these games on purpose. I just think that's a bad mindset, man. I think you need to put the players out there. They, they probably will lose, even with the good players out there. But to have these good players out there sitting there because we want to, you know, we want to lose these games, I think that's not a good look. And on top of this draft, I, I don't see nobody. I don't see a clear cut number one overall pick outside of Thibodeau. I, I, I don't. I just. I just don't think it's worth throwing these games like this right now. And you better off building up some wins and at least making it a little making it a little better for other players to say, hey, they it look like they doing something. Maybe I could go over here and, you know, maybe they are on the rise. I don't know. Yeah, and I think the benefit kind of to your point, Rocket, is more so the the absence of a negative. And so the two wins do not, I agree with you on that, it does not improve your culture necessarily, especially long-term or short-term for that, for that matter. Like, it doesn't do a whole lot for you, but the absence of intentionally being a loser, I think gives you more credibility as an institution, as a label, as a crew, <laughs> all right? I, I think that that gives you more credibility as a whole unit than saying, like, think about it. 
would you rather somebody beat you would you rather somebody beat you fair and square or let you win would you rather be somebody fair and square or or let them win you know what i mean like you rather it be but it feels better to lose when you knew you didn't care about winning than it did when you tried your hardest and lost see <laughs> i'm not sure about that it does man admit it <laughs> Yeah, man, I, get out this loser mindset, Ryan <laughs> Rocket. Man, this is a pig pen. Man. I mean, I, you don't, y'all don't have your, your gems and juice drops, do you? Pig pen mentality. I'm go. telling you. Th- hey, man, <laughs> man, thank you, uh, Jay Prince, for the, for that, man. That that is a pig pen mentality for my boy Rocket, <laughs> who I do appreciate for joining us for these four hours. Uh, Figgy Fig, guys, it has been an honor to be with y'all for the last four hours. To the audience, to the loopholes, if you listen, you are a loophole. We appreciate you all for being with us, for all the supportive texts and messages that we've gotten. We would love to do this again. We're not necessarily in control of that. Like I said, to start the show, I'm not sure they did this on purpose or realized what they was doing to begin with. <laughs> but we show sure glad that they did it. This has been a Black Friday edition of In The Loop in Houston, man. Thank you for everything. We love y'all. Peace. Thank you, Peggy. That was so much fun, man. Shout out to everybody that supported us throughout those four hours. All the callers, all the texters, everybody weighing in, man. We appreciate the love, support, the positive energy, the positive vibes. Hopefully we could do something like that again. Big shout out to my man Brandon Scott. Check out his podcast, the B Block Podcast. It's streaming everywhere. Check it out, and make sure you subscribe to it too, man. He uh, he, one of the best in the city. He one of the best when it comes to Houston sports, man. He been here all his life, so he covered the sports closely. Big shout out to Kim Davis, a legend in the city, for hopping on with us. Big shout out to Cody Davis of the Locked On Podcast, holding it down too. The Gems and Juice Podcast will be back next week. Hope you guys enjoyed this. Till next time, peace.